All right, welcome back to the Couch Command. Uh, we've been taking a break because uh, we need to do live stuff, but we're back. I'm Keith Justice. You know, we're here with PopGeeks.com, and with me today I have Matt Doc Falconer. Hey, hey how's it going? I also have with me for, uh, Isaac from Lobster Magnet Reviews. Uh, hey, uh, thanks for having me back. And the uh, resident uh, fighter among us, the TK Shadow Blade, the one they call Tony. Yo, pleasure. Cool. All right. And today we're finishing out our uh, Zack Snyder unofficial trilogy uh, with Excalibur because um, ever since starting to watch, like, the, I think the first of the trilogy, which was Batman v Superman. No, no. I think I saw it even in. Okay, I'll say it. mostly I started with the uh, the director's cut of Batman v Superman, where I was noticing him dropping so many kind of visual homages and like verbal homages, and just kind of like I could see it on the movie that he was like, "Man, I love Excalibur," and I'm like, "Huh, interesting." And then I did like this, like a, a Saturday of watching the movie on my computer while having him do his commentary on YouTube. And yeah, like sure enough, he kept on saying, man, I love Excalibur. And so, yeah, that's why we're doing a little retro review for a movie that no one talks about much anymore. Well, I'm, um, oh, I'm curious. Uh, where, where can I listen to the Zack Snyder commentary about Excalibur? Um, not Excalibur specifically, okay. but, uh, it's on YouTube and it's easy to find like you just like Zack Snyder and Batman V Superman. And like, it's so much fun. Like he has like a studio you see, he's like sitting in and he's like snickering like, aha technology. And like, he'll tell you where to stop like the movie on your screen and gives you a cue to click start. And then like, basically you watch the movie with him and like, he'll like, he'll put, he brings up like, like his, uh, his uh, storyboard book every so often, and it's just it was, it was just so much fun to do that. And also, he like confirms some of my like suspicions about like his uh, inspirations, such as like something that we do need to review here. Everyone needs to watch it. It's called Jodorowsky's Dune. Oh, have you seen that yet? Well, technically, you can't see it because it doesn't exist. But um, <laughs> right, you're talking about the documentary about uh, Jodorowsky's development for Dune, right? Yes. Did you see it? I have not, but I'm familiar with it. I have not. It's amazing. Like, it unlocks a lot of, like, all these, like, why science fiction looks the way it does today. And once you see it, then, like, movies up to today, such as, like, um, uh, was it? I think it was in his Justice League movie, or his Man of Steel, where there's, like, a character, um, it was, like, but done, like, in, like, maybe, like, 60s or something like that. There's a character design from it, and there's like this kind of like visual aesthetic that Jodorowsky's Dune has that was directly homaged in a Superman Man of Steel action figure that I have on my desk. Like, there's no reason for this figure whatsoever. It doesn't appear in the movie. It doesn't make sense that Superman would wear it, but it's in the movie. It's in an action figure, but it's like the exact uh, color scheme of a character from Jodorowsky's Dune. So, like, the only reason for it is so that. Zack Snyder can go, I got a Jodorowsky Dune action figure. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so let's go around the table. First, we start with uh, what we've been geeking on, and then we go into the movie. So I will start with TK Shadowblade. What have you been geeking on lately? All right. So a couple things, actually. First, I actually just finished my um, very first um, fight stick mod for a universal fighting board, which basically means oh, the... Yeah. Um, 
arcade stick I'm using can be used on practically any any modern console right now. So Xbox 360, PS3, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, PC. I can do it all from this from this one stick. Awesome. And I'm going to pretend that I'm mad that you're bringing it up again. All you talk about is your awesome custom fight sticks. <laughs> and you've created one now that works against works with all of them? Yep. I actually just finished up the modification a couple of nights ago and um I, I completed I completely rewired this entire thing all by myself. So I'm very Ooh, happy about dude. it. Are you gonna sell nice. them? Eventually, once I get more used to doing it, I might um start making some cheapos that I can I can put up for put up on the market. We'll just have to see because every time I get a stick and take out the old parts, I keep them just in case I want to do something with them later on down the road. Mm-hmm. Nice. I, I've been that way about mouses and keyboards and remixing. Um, let's see. Oh, here. Do you give your uh, fighting sticks names? Um, I thought about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it sounds like you're forging a sword is all I'm digging in on the darkness. Of. Honestly, that's kind of what it feels like. Like the, this one I'm using now, since it's going to be my daily driver. I don't know. I might just call it. I might just call it blue. Cool, cool. Anything else? Anything else you've been geeking well, on? Along those, or what's like the most fun you've been having with your? Along stick? those <laughs> same, the, those same lines. Um, there are two big fighting game releases that came out in the past week. The first is Virtua Fighter Five Ultimate Showdown that dropped for for the PlayStation Four earlier earlier this week. Um, hmm. I can't play it because I don't have a PlayStation Four, but it's the exact same release from the PlayStation Three back in the day, about ten years ago. So I can at least practice until I go to a local event. Um, and it just this version is only on the PlayStation Four and Three for now. It, I'm convinced it's a timed exclusive. So, and it's probably because Sega's has, has an exclusive deal with with Sony. I'm, I'm pretty sure of uh, because, of course. Um, so they'll more than likely be a release for the Xbox One, Series X, and the PC uh, sometime in the near future, I'm hoping, um, because I'd really like to get my hands on an actual copy of it. Um, mm-hmm. Apart from that, the other release came out yesterday for everything, um, the latest entry in the Guilty Gear series, Strive. I don't know if anybody's oh. played, played those games before. Oh, guys, yeah. I, I saw it got a great review. Yes. The biggest biggest compliment that people have for this is the fact that the net code is godlike mm-hmm. it uses rollback net code versus versus delay based net code like all the other other ones aside from accent core used to use and it's pretty much the standard or should be the standard right now for fighting games and in, in this in this online environment because it's a lot more reliable <clears throat> yeah that's what i that's what i'd heard about it and i actually lost track of of strive i forgot that it was coming out so I had no idea that it had been released. So have you been, have you been playing it? Yes, I have. Yes, I have, and I like it. I really like it. It's very different from the older games as oh. far as the gameplay is concerned. Um, they cut the basic the universal combo system in half, basically right down the middle. They're, they're making it more of a neutral base game as opposed to mm. just as opposed to fishing for a light attack to confirm into a, a lengthy like fifteen to sixteen hit combo. Right. So 
So I think they they did that to make it more accessible for newcomers to the franchise. And as you can as you can probably figure, it's, it's gotten some pretty mixed opinions across the community about that. Sure. Anytime you bring up you know something new like that, there's, you're gonna you're gonna get that. But uh, but hey, if it works, if it works well. Uh, and I could definitely see that being more welcoming to newcomers because hit confirming is hard and takes a long time to really work out. Mm-hmm. Um, what's hit confirming? Basically, what you do is it's a it's a it's a check when you're when you're fighting. Um, you throw in a you throw in an attack and you and you wait to see if it actually hits so you know whether or not to continue your combo. Oh wow! Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just a series of hit checks. Um, the way it works, it used to work in the older Guilty Gear games. Is there was a, there was a, a chain combo system that they referred to as Gatling. So it just goes from the lowest normal attack to the highest. So and it goes it, it goes from punch, kick, slash to high slash, and you can start anywhere in that in that series and just and just go from there and can, and just chain and cancel your normals and and into higher and to higher string moves. Damn, interesting way to think about So this. what you used to be able to do, and it was easier, okay, easier, quote-unquote, in the older games, <laughs> is just throw out a series of, of light attacks, like just punches because of the, because of the light ones, check to, and use those to check to see if your opponent's going to block it. And if he doesn't mm-hmm. block it, then you, know you, then you know you have clearance to keep on going. But the reaction times to, to gauge that are, are pretty pretty extreme especially when, when going from a lighter attack outstanding yeah um as i've said before i'm i'm i uh, i i walk the path of the button masher and feel the force through that so never does it occur to me to be like uh tap to see if lands to see if continue i just find out that i can't continue <laughs> the combination and work from there yeah yeah, the, the the issue is is like if you don't hit confirm and you go into your big combo and they block the whole thing, it leaves you wide mm-hmm. open uh-huh. and you're gonna get punished. Cool. All right. What else have you been geeking on? Um, that's it for me, really. Those are the biggest things right now. All right. Matthew. <clears throat> what have you been geeking on? Uh, so I've been uh, I've been playing City of Heroes again. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, me, you, and uh, Jason. Yeah, and my brother Jim. fired that up. It's mm-hmm. and Jim. and it's wow. I just this game is what seventeen years old now, something mm-hmm. like that. And I can't believe how good it still is. This is the only I... MMO mm-hmm. that I ever truly got into. I tried a ton of them, but City of Heroes is the only one I ever really got. I don't, I don't want to say addicted to, but was consistent with. Are, are they still? Do you feel you're going to be? Good. Oh, I was just curious. Are there still updates for City of Heroes? Do they still do expansion packs? No, this it was dead for years. I'm not sure how long, but this is some. This is a private group that brought it back on a private server that you can just ah. da- yeah, you can just download and they give you everything that the game ever had for free. So you know, it used to be, of course, you had to buy City of Heroes, City of Villains, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And you'd only get certain things if you logged on at this time. And now they're sort of like, ah, yeah, do whatever you want. And there's also some really great quality of life things. It used to be that to get your travel powers, I think you had to wait till like level 10 or 12 or something ridiculous like that. And now <laughs> they just give it to you at level four. Uh, and and like they, you, yeah, I, you couldn't even the, make, the flight. Uh, yeah, you couldn't. Sorry, this is really quick. You couldn't even make a character with a cape when you started. You had to earn a cape. 
Really? Wow. It's crazy. Yeah, you had to earn the cape. Like, I can't remember how what level you had to be, but it was like a badge of honor at some point. I don't think it was all that long, but I, you know, I always thought it was kind of silly. Just give me my cape if I want that. But anyway, mm-hmm. Keith, you were going to say. Um, let's see. I was going to say that. Yeah, I feel like I got my flight powers. It felt like I was at level one when it happened. Like, oh, f- we just went straight to that statue, and I just started flying around. Oh, for uh, for the new version of City of Heroes, yeah. level four is the first time you can get your travel powers. All right, and so, okay, so when it comes to MMOs, I have a hard time actually getting into them outside of Star Trek Online, which I played like it was a single-player game. Mm, mm -hmm. Um, Are you feeling it again? Do you feel you'll start playing it regularly again? And what what, what does this game do that other games don't do? Ah, Those are some great questions. So for the first one, I don't know yet. I think the highest level I have for any character is level 9, which is still very much in the beginning stages of the game. I won't know probably until, like, I don't know, level 20-something if I'm going to stick with it or not. It also depends upon the people you play with. So if everybody keeps playing it, I'll probably play Mm -hmm. with them. Uh, But then also kind of going along with what Isaac was saying, there aren't going to be anything – there isn't going to be anything new coming out for this, like – the content is the content. So at a certain point, like I'm going to be done with it when that is, I'm not sure. Uh, what, what was your other question? I already forgot. Uh, let's see. Are you going to stick with it? Oh, what does this game do that others oh, don't? Right. Like, what makes us magical? Yeah. Cause it, I've heard like everyone who's ever played it, they, they swear to it. And I want to know like, was it doing that? Like world of Warcraft or Star Trek online or other games don't do. I feel it really does kind of make you feel like a hero. When you take mm-hmm. off, you fly around, you, you you plunk down when like some villain is going after some NPC, or even better, when your team is having a hard time and you know they're all about to die and you're just like racing to get there and you know, I need a hero is going in your head and then bam, you show <laughs> up and save them all. It's such a good feeling and I've never experienced that in any other MMO. Very cool. All right, I will. Uh, I will continue to jam on it with you guys. And but I, I will say, like, uh, my favorite thing about it is that it might have been the most fun character creator ever. Used. Oh my god, the character creator is amazing. Still, seventeen years later, it's still one of the best character mm-hmm. creators I've ever seen. You can make so many things with that. I sat down and I was like, "All right, all right, <laughs> let, let's give this a go." And like, because like I, when it comes to this kind of stuff, I'm like, I, I don't got a lot of time and my attention yeah so i, I said i was like all right i'll just i'll just make I'll, I'll make a name for my character okay maybe i'll pick color okay power set okay and then like yeah the way they designed it just kept me going I was, all right let me turn the game on now and yeah they they did something they, they, they captured something they kept my finger totally on. and i think you really uh that's another thing that really made me love the game is you can make the character you want to make but that character creator can be intimidating when you first see it because there's mm-hmm. so much stuff you got to do. You got to you have to do the the turkey dinner approach to that. You're mm-hmm. not going to eat the whole turkey dinner in one bite. You got to go one at a time. And so it's the same thing with that character creator. Noted. All right. What else have you been geeking out? Uh, you know, not too much else, but I figure why don't we talk about that teaser for the new He-Man? Oh, indeed. Um uh, you start. Yeah, well, I think it looks. I think it looks really awesome. I'm gonna be. Yeah, like just it made me very excited for it, you know. And I think they said like, oh, for the first time in 40 years. That's obviously not true. Uh, no. But 
uh, you know, I think it. I think it looks really good, and I think that it, from what I saw from that little teaser, it looks like it does a really good job of you know, quote unquote, updating it while still being very loyal to the source. I hope so. Yep. Um, uh, Tony, what do you think? I'm going to be honest. I haven't actually watched it yet, but I have read up on it. Ooh. Now, isn't mm-hmm. um, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Kevin Smith the one heading this up? That's right. Yep, he is. Okay, okay. So that in itself is interesting. I like. I like to see what what he's going to do with it. Um. Let's see. Besides his uh, his um, view skewerverse, like I know he. I, I hear he's a phenomenal comic book writer. Yep. He uh, has. Have we seen anything about that says that he will be amazing at making a He Man show? I don't. I think that he does do a good job of fleshing characters out in general, and obviously he is a geek who's excited about geeky things like this. And he does okay. have a long history. Like obviously, not everything he's ever done is going to be a hit, uh, but I think that he has the prerequisite skills and interest to make this good. And, gotcha. and I also think that he's a professionalist and has been in the business long enough to assemble a team that can do the things that he can't. All right, all right. Um, Isaac? Um, in terms of what I've been geeking on? Or uh, oh, Kevin oh, Smith? Uh, Kevin Smith first. Uh, and He-Man. I think it looks good. It's interesting. The, uh, I guess, center-right of the internet seems to like trying to gear people up to hate it. But uh, I don't know. The trailer looked f- uh, good to me. Uh, it seems like whatever a uh, He-Man <laughs> fan uh, would love. But uh, in terms of Kevin Smith, uh, is he the best person? Uh, probably not. I think he has more misses than hits. I think he's kind of like, at this point, a better Chris Hardwick uh, fan persona than he is a, a writer. <laughs> mm, <yeah. laughs> I can see that. <laughs> I, I, yeah, the, the, like, as his career went on, like more and more I was like falling out of love with his movies. But every time he appeared on screen to talk, I was like, woo! Kevin Smith. Yeah, because like I, I don't know, Kevin Smith's weird uh, because like he started out with doing these like kind of like personal indie movies about uh, relationships <laughs> just with like people who had like geeky interests and that's how he became like the geek. He, he was pre-Judd Apatow before Judd Apatow was Judd Apatow. But Judd Apatow mm-hmm. is well, Judd Apatow has his own flaws but um, overall he's a stronger storyteller than Kevin Smith. Uh, and then Kevin Smith went on his weird True North trilogy, like, you know, I'm going to make Tusk my great podcasting thing, and I'm going to make mm-hmm. uh, the fucking Yoga Hosers, and then Moose Jaws. It's Jaws with a moose. Oh, my God. <laughs> we're... we're yeah, I, those are rough watches. Uh, I mean, I, I think, like, everything it looks like, it, it, you know, I, I'm sure he's, like, a long history, and there's, like, a two-hour podcast with him and Mark Bernardin. But, like, you know, if, if Mark Bernardin was scripted, I'd feel more confident uh, that, like, uh, he'd do a better job than just Kevin Smith. But, uh, you know, I, I think from what it is, is uh, you know, I thought the trailer looked uh, very promising. It looks exactly like what a He-Man fan would do. Is it being done by Powerhouse Animation? Um, not sure. I am looking. I am looking at the IMDb page to see, like, if I can find. It's probably on the Wikipedia page. 
Not positive. Uh, the animation looks top tier. Yeah, it, it looks uh, great. Uh, the, the real question is, will all the conspiracy theorists who are saying, like, oh, He-Man's going to be sidelined and uh, his sister... It looks like it. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. I saw that, too. But I can't tell. Like, with, So, like, my take on it is, like, it looks beautiful. Um, I've been hearing, like, there's a guy named uh, Scott Knightlick, I think his name is. He's got a YouTube channel called Spectre Creative. And he's been going through like, the history of, like, everything behind He-Man and all these things that they wanted to do but never got to. And I I see, like, smatterings of that in the trailer. And if they pull that off, like, this could be some of the best He-Man we've ever had. But if they really do call it He-Man and then, like, sideline him to, you know, have him come out when, like, you really need to blockbuster something but you turn it into the Tila show... This gonna be like, hey, you better make it a really good Tila show. So, oh, is that what the com- is that, that what the complaint is? It's going to be the Tila show. That is what people think might happen. That's what they like, might. So there's no like, actual evidence for this. They just think that's what's mm, going to happen. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. Dude, I've not seen any solid evidence yet. Well, other than I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess like when I looked at the trailer, I was like, hmm, maybe like like oh, because oh, uh, um. I think there's a word that it starts off with, like, the the show starts off with a final showdown between He-Man and Skeletor, which would make it so that um, when you do, like, story structure, you're starting off at the top of the game, and then you have to work your way back up to the top. So it would make sense in a kind of like a story format way to knock He-Man out of the show for a while, so you have to struggle your way back up to getting that powerful again. Mm, mm-hmm. But... Speculation, speculation. Right, yeah, we we don't know. Yeah, that's the thing. It's just, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I thought the trailer looked cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping that we get to the new adventures of He Man, which was Space He Man era again, and it be done well versus uh, repulsive and hideous. Oh, like it was done in the late eighties. Wow, and 90s. yeah, that was that was truly hideous. Yeah, I mean, I was ready for it too. I was like, "Oh yeah, I love space stuff. Let's let's do this." Ugh, I see in the future. Yeah, but those those <laughs> figure, the, yeah, the, the character design. They were like, "We just, I don't know, just make them gross." Yeah, <laughs> just doing stuff, just to be doing stuff on the. This screen. guy gets a big eyeball. That's his whole head. Just <laughs> and this other guy is green, and I don't know, has a rebreather. <laughs> <laughs> it's email. Yeah, just throw it up the wall. Little stick. Kids buying. I mean, that's true. Nah, well, now they don't. We were talking about that, like how um, well, my brother and I were at Walmart the other day, and the toy mm-hmm. aisle was just you know GI Joe, He Man, Transformers, all the things that were popular when we were kids. Uh, but mm-hmm. apparently, kids aren't really into that stuff. They don't want that stuff. They want their stuff. They want Fortnite figures. <laughs> <want> Fortnite figures. <laughs> Not even joking. Because uh, wait, wait, did you see a lot of He Man origin figures? I mean, just He Man, and I uh, saw so He Man, Battle Cat, and Skeletor. So I mean, but a lot of those, okay. yeah. Okay, because like what, like uh, once again, Spectre Creative was pointing out, like you can tell what's popular on, like you know, if you see a lot of these He Man figures, that means like the kids aren't buying these because they want Fortnite figures. Oh, that's. I mean, I'm kind of curious as to like how will this go? Right, that's a really like, good point. Can this get kids again? Yeah, that's 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 a really good point. Maybe that's why we were seeing those because all the other stuff got bought up. But to be fair, I wasn't looking for Fortnite figures. So maybe they were there and I didn't mm-hmm. see them. 
All right. All right. Um, anything else? Nah, it's good. Right on, Isaac. What are you been geeking on? I've been geeking on Resident Evil 8. Oh, we're really, really enjoying it. Uh, (laughs) As a longstanding fan of uh, Resident Evil, uh, you know, I I finally figured out one of my favorite things in life, and that is uh, action horror with light RPG elements. Um, Like, you know, I can complain about the game. Uh, You know, I I don't think it's 100% perfect, but, like, you know, as soon as you threw in the fat duke with the merchant who lets you, like, you know, sell treasure and uh, upgrade guns, it's like, all right, this is my jam. Oh, I love it. I love getting a little pistol and then sinking money into it, and then the stupid werewolf monsters that were so frustrating at first start going down and then shotgunning them in the head. The only mistake I made is I play, you know, uh, every review said, if you're a real survival horror expert, you should play on hardcore, not normal. Normal's too easy. Um, and I was like, all right, I'm a big boy. I'm going to go play on <laughs> uh, hardcore. And, uh, <laughs> oh, big, strong boy. boy. <laughs> I, I'm a strapping young lad who beat show, Resident You'll show them. I'll show, show them. them. <laughs> I'll show them. I don't need baby mode. I'm a big boy. And I was like, oh, God, this game's kicking my ass. I don't have enough ammo. I'm crawling my way through it. I'm the stupid last boss, which I've been on for several days because oh. you can't move around enough. And now I'm looking at guides for, like, no damage guides. because like, I just want to beat her. I want to beat the end of the game. I just want that victory of hardcore mode so I can do the new game plus with my, my super upgraded weapons and feel like a badass dominating everything. But uh, <sighs> well, I, 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 I have been immensely enjoying um, Resident Evil 8, and I can't wait to unlock the Mercenaries mode. Cool. Um, which is better, uh, this or Resident Evil 4? Resident Evil 4, hands down. No competition. You're probably not going to find many arguments for that. I, 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 yeah. I, I, oh, sorry. Uh, what were you going to say? I was gonna say that like, I hear this is like the sequel to Resident Evil. 4. Uh, spiritually, yes. Um, chronologically, no. This is the, I guess, the second chapter of the Mold slash Ethan Winters saga, which you know, take mm-hmm. that with me. And one thing I hate is like um, the, the, they have this really dumb mechanic where you have to guard, you guard to reduce damage, but it, like you know, it, it doesn't immerse you anymore. It's just stupid. If like a werewolf's gonna hack at me with a giant bone saw or some other horrible monstrosity, how is like putting up my frail human arms gonna reduce the damage or put me in any more of an advantageous position? So I'm not a huge fan of that mechanic. But you, you know, even mm-hmm. something that vaguely resembles RE4's progression is it makes me a happy camper. And uh, you know, there's some uh, great parts in it, like the first part where you're in the Queen's castle. Uh, there are a few parts I wish that were expanded more, like when you're in the dollhouse. That's only like maybe 30, 40 minutes of gameplay. It's mostly puzzles and quick time events. And then, you know, the one part I was really sad that was short was where you fight the giant fish monster man, and it's just like one giant set piece battle. I was like, oh man, I wanted to fight more fish monsters, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. you, you can see where like the development time went to and where it didn't. Right. Hmm. Cool, cool. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I, I guess I've seen so much coverage of it. Uh, do you, any, is there anything that stood out on the game that you'd like to like? Point out or anything geeky on. Um, get rid. Of, like, I, honestly, I I hate Resident Evil in first person 
please bring I'm tolerating it just because I like the horror themed stuff and uh, running around with weapons and upgrading them but um, mm-hmm. for the love of God let's go back to third person like if you want the perfect mix of four and the survival horror just you know make make more in the style of the Resident Evil 2 remake it uh, you know it's one thing I've never quite understood why uh, they, they they try to throw away the you know over the shoulder third person view because I think that's like you know the perfect form of Resident Evil it gives you enough to like dodge around in situational awareness uh, while still, mm-hmm. you know, uh, allowing uh, horror and feeling claustrophobic. Right. And that also allows you to see what's happening to your character easier. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Versus the first person where it's like a very easy to get snuck up upon or, you know, you just kind of move around very slowly. Uh, mm-hmm. So you're not like um, doesn't feel like you're very have a lot of situational awareness. Right. But, you know, uh, it's got some good, what I call, negging game design, where, you know, it keeps on kicking your ass, and you just get really angry to the point where you, you have to beat it. <laughs> um, oh, uh, the, did you, uh, would you have, have you played all of the Resident Evil? Yeah, Bulls? everyone except for 7, and I probably will play 7, because it came with a bundle uh, of, that I got with 8. But, um, you know, I was so angry at Seven because I hated the first-person view. I hated the fact that they were uh, trying to incorporate the, um, whatchamacallit, uh, uh, you know, the sort of, like, uh, indie survival horror aesthetic of uh, first-person horror games like Outlast or Amnesia uh, Thing for Pigs. And I... I was going to ask, is it too... What the... If you... Oh, when you you do play it, uh, because I heard the reason... The, the big critique against it is it's too scary. No, it absolutely is not too scary. Uh, if anything, I'd say like a lot of the scares are derivative of other things. Like there's one segment that's like a heat right out of uh, the famous PT Kideo Kojima demo, but uh, I, I don't think it's too scary. Although, Would it be a problem if it was though? I mean, it's the Resident <laughs> Evil game. That sounds like a like a good thing, right? Um, not for people who. I would have been scared. I'll say like uh, artistically, yes, but for people who just couldn't com- continue to play it, they would have been bad for okay. them. Oh, all right. Now hold on. This is a survival mm-hmm. horror game. You know, right. it's supposed to be scary. It's, That's like part of the deal. It's in the name of the genre. Right. It's right. This there. is this is not my solid critique. Oh no no. That no I, makes me I know. Say that it's, oh, I should yeah. use you okay. as a proxy cool. for the folks who are too scared. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like uh, I, I might be too like scared. Keith, but I, I, it's just like a, it's an interesting thing to consider that like like you're making a product and you do want to make money off it, and like you make it so scary that like you make less That's money. Crazy to me. It's interesting that you mentioned that because um, like survival horror is a genre. Like you know, it was like a mainstay. It was up there with the Call of Duties and the. Um, uh, Madden's and their, you know, PS1, PS2 generation, but then it just kind of died mm. off. And I think the reason why is, uh, you know, I, I love the dead first two Dead Space games that, the, you know, that mm. with uh, Resident Evil, um, four is like my holy trinity of action horror games. But EA invested so much money into it and they wanted like Madden numbers, they wanted Call of Duty numbers. And, you know, mm. I think it sold well. It sold like maybe, you know, two or three million copies, maybe a little less than that. But, you know, as far as EA was concerned, that was not the kind of success that deemed how much money they put into it so uh you know you got the third one which was uh more action focused and not as horror focused and it was kind of like a limp dick end of the uh <laughs> series and now it's dead unfortunately mm. all right all right uh anything anything else you've been geeking on 
Um, that's the thing that's been most excited. And uh, well, actually, speaking of Resident Evil, what does everyone think of Lance Hendricks as uh, uh, Hendrickson as uh, Wesker for the upcoming Netflix Resident Evil series? That's uh, causing a little bit of controversy on the internet. What is as, it? As uh, Albert um, Wesker. Uh, let's see. I, I hadn't heard about this, so I'm, I'm looking it up now. Not Lance Henderson. Lance Reddick. It's uh, the guy from The Wire. What'd you say? It was Lance Reddick. Is right? it Lance Reddick? There you go. My, 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 yeah. I, yeah. I was like, Lance <laughs> Hendrickson, that is good casting. <laughs> oh, he. Uh, Whoa, Lance wait. Oh, no, okay. Lance Reddick is an awesome actor. I know that much. Yeah. He is. He is. Uh, uh, yeah, for me, like, I, he, he, he did such a great job in The Wire that it's hard not to see. It's the guy from The Wire. Yay. Clap, 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 clap. <laughs> um, other than that, I, I'm not sure what I think. Um, yeah, he's never he's never missed, so I guess so. Uh, but I guess for me, like when it comes to character actors that fit in that genre, and you said Lance Hendrickson, I'm like, oh yeah, this guy, <laughs> this that's guy what we need. Right here. Fucking Lance Hendrickson doing his thing. Um, but the other guy, like, yeah, I, you know, one of the greatest actors uh, ever. Um, you know, not to say that he's not. A, I mean, uh, Lance Reddick is a, obviously a very acclaimed actor, but they've got this like casting photo, and it's like him, and they've got like a bunch of twenty something. So it's almost it looks like <laughs> Wesker's Angels. I'm oh. looking at huh. that now. It uh, it is. It's a little on the odd side. <laughs> um, do you guys got a link? I will I'm get you one. My... Yeah, we'll post it in the show notes. All right. I and it, I, I guess it sort of fits into the sort of larger trend where it's kind of like, um, you know, a diverse casting. And if you don't like it, you're a racist. I mean, I mean, I haven't I haven't seen the, the show. I don't know what it will be. Uh, but, you know, uh, Wesker's Angels is not exactly what I would like from a Resident Evil show. Uh, you know, I, I, why not X-Files where they go and investigate um, Umbrella Monstrosities? Oh, I see what you're looking at. And oh, no, that's not good at all. That's terrible. What are they, they doing? so young. And, it, it, it's 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 him with a bunch of teenage yeah. girls. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, about that. That's not a e- well. Who did this? Uh, I love I love how you like go go from positive and then you see more things and it's like you're getting like Powerpuff CW flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, um, all Power Girl cast. Um, like okay for everything else in the universe that you want to create. Yeah, yeah, it looks cool. Why would you do this for Resident Evil? Like. It's uh, it's a fucked at up a certain choice. point. At a certain point, it looks. I I don't want to say this is pandering, um, but uh, like a little, th- yeah. Like the, what's the? There's got there's, maybe there's a good reason but for it. Maybe there is a good I narrative have, reason that I that I don't I've know. been researching this since the Force Awakens to find out why is this kind of keep happening, and it is because of demographics. I'm going to guess that. The people you're seeing on screen are the demographics that watch Netflix the most. And, like, when it comes to movie theaters, uh, women buy the most movie tickets. So what's been happening in Hollywood is, like, and it's always like this. Like, whoever has the, like, I I learned this, like, it was, like, a a time in, in college where I was, like, taking an advertising class. And, like, the lady was breaking down, like, yeah, so racism exists and it does suck. But... The reason why, like, way in the past that they weren't advertising to black people once upon a time is because they had less than no money. Like, 
you can put them on the screen and advertise to them, but you're not going to get their money. All of a sudden, like, you know, uh, progress happened. Uh, black people earn more money. Then they're like, holy shit, what? They got money? All right, let's put them on the screen because I want to take their money now. And then as things shift and whoever has the most money who's spending it the most, that's just like the business of like it, it, you can't have artistic people who are like, no, no, no. I have a vision. I want to make something. And then they do. And it'll probably have like cult status and like, you know, they'll be proud of it. But like, you know, they won't have the big paycheck that says I can do anything I want now. But if you do go for the biggest demographic, which is women, and then also started to be China, mm-hmm. that's how things start moving around. Right. That makes total sense. That's what it's about when you get right down to it, isn't it? Is money. Yep. Who, who, like, yep. How are you going to get paid? And that's the way they're going to go. However, whatever direction they need to go in to get the maximum payday, that's that's what they'll do. And the people in ch- and the people in charge who make these calls aren't geeks. Like they're like, I don't care what star destroyer you blow up. Just make right. the money. And yeah, I think this was funny about how people who get all up in arms about this. Like whenever they go, they go and watch it. They 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 pay they, they pay the money for the tickets. They pay for the subscription. Mm-hmm. They look at this stuff and they see, oh my god, this is this is awful. This is I can't believe you did this. These these companies mm-hmm. don't care because they already Not. have your money. Mission right. accomplished. Yep. <laughs> Not as like as long as they can like, make back what, what they, what they put so- into it, then they're happy. If they can get a little yep. more, whatever. Yeah, sometimes it can happen where like a, a creator is just gets that much more power and they really can do whatever they want. They'll put whoever they want on the screen, and because it's so good, then it makes all the money. But like, it's 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 like yeah, these pockets of creativity where like someone did the right thing where they can make this. But otherwise, like, if you have like a giant uh, franchise, it's not about like the creator. Like, it's about the corporation who says, yeah, yeah, good idea. But uh, there's not a lot of people in that demographic you're pandering to there. So fuck you. <laughs> Uh, what about you? What do you got? Oh, I got something that will make you a lot of money. All right, this guy's creative. <laughs> Is... That's the guy. That's <laughs> well, the you want. And that's and that's why you kind of get like situ- you know things where it becomes so. It's funny that like you know He Man should not be political. Resident Evil should not be political. All these things should not you know have nothing to do with the realm of uh, policy. But you know it's this sort of like a uh, paradigm where it feels like, um, hey, I'm going to make this thing you really loved, but uh, I'm not going to uh, be source uh, faithful to the source material. Um, you don't like it? Well, it's your fault. Uh, you should feel bad about it. I sh- I'm also going to blame you when it doesn't do as well in the box office. I mean, yeah, that well, that pushes me away from stuff now. I'm like, if I see something that says, hey, just so you know, if you don't like this, you're sexist. I'm like, oh, just watch something else then. Yeah. I don't want to be judged. You have that option. Yeah, like like Isaac had what you were saying there. Like that is, (laughs) yeah, you hit the nail on the head. And, um, but yeah, this is the thing is it's like, oh God, I don't want to get too into it. um, Because I'm just, I I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) All right, done. You don't have to get too into it. No, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, yeah. it's, all, it's always an interesting thing. The, the cultural discourse is like, you know, the nerd world bleeds in with other worlds. Uh, and, you know, the Resident Evil thing is not just the Resident Evil thing anymore. Right. But well, we'll see. I, I, I will say that I think we're about to see the end of this kind of pandering, though, um, because it's starting to not make money, like, in big ways. Is. Like, what they did with Star Wars, like, those sold less than no figures and... 
They, they, the, the bean counters who don't care about like social justice, they're like, make that money or else. Then things start to shift and like the new Indiana Jones where uh, he's in the 1960s hanging over to a new woman lead. Like, I'm not going to go see that. And not because it's hanging over to a new woman lead, but you're doing it wrong. Right. Like, hand it over to whoever you want. But, Let's do it right. Well, it's too yeah. late now. But it's I think like, kind of I think I, I think I remembered what I was going to say after Isaac what you said mm-hmm. um, was that they do all these things and they make all these changes and they said like yeah we're not going to honor the source material we're going to change it because it's convenient for us or whatever right. and oh you don't like it that makes you a bad person uh huh and yep and then afterwards they're like wait holy fuck we made like fifty percent less money maybe we should now we gotta this. now we gotta change it so it's just like look. I think that uh, there's that old song, right? Like, it's okay to not like things, but don't be a dick about it. You know, like, Mm -hmm. these things, you you cannot like it for valid reasons and um, still be reasonable about it. But I think it needs to be okay for people to just not like something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've uh, I've had to correct a lot of people with, like, this meme that goes around where if you – it's uh, that person going, shh, let people enjoy things. (laughs) I love how that gets flipped for both ends of the spectrum. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. No one, no, no, no one knows the other side exists. Because I also, um, you know, shh, it's okay for this person not to like something. It's totally mm-hmm. okay. Woof. All right. Um. So, uh, uh, what else have I been geeking on, or can I get into my stuff? Oh, uh, for me. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, I didn't know if you were asking. Yeah. Um, um, Sorry. I, I think that about covers it. Resident Evil uh, 8 is what I've been enjoying uh, the most, and I'm looking forward to E3, although it hasn't started yet, so I can't wait for all the news to come out. Uh, that's always my... I'm telling you, F-Zero, this is it. <laughs> I, I, I kind of want to do an E3 podcast, so... You guys uh, right yeah, there. yeah, oh, I, I would have, I'd love talking about E3. I, I, I'd be up for that. Cool, yeah. Uh, just, just be ready, <laughs> okay. I'm only going to talk about how disappointed I am that there isn't a new F-Zero, so... <laughs> <laughs> And I will only talk about how great Xbox uh, is and Sony drools. <laughs> All right. Well, this will be a lively conversation. What have you been geeking on? <laughs> oh, we're, we're going to have a long, long talk right. about us, uh, Sony versus Xbox uh, for that, but we'll save that for Woo! that. We haven't even did touched Excalibur yet. Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. All right. The things I've been uh, geeking on is something that I watched with uh, Matt and some friends. Uh, one of them, like, I've been watching a bunch of movies. Uh, one of them is The Perfection. Um... Which was a Netflix movie that, like, on my Facebook, someone was like, that ending, though, holy shit. So, like, the way, like, when some people, when people talk about movies like that, I love going in blind, where you don't know the genre, or or you haven't looked at a trailer, you have no idea where it's going to go. And sometimes you get, like, blown away, and sometimes, like with The Perfection, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, that was pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, like, it's, it's beautifully shot. Uh, it has a winding story, but like, I love mysteries where like after it winds and ties itself together, you're like, holy shit, they freaking like everything fit right. Nothing was wasted. And, and like, if you'd paid attention, you could have figured it out yourself, but this wasn't that, uh, you get something more like that from Ryan Johnson's brick, which was brilliant. Um, just so you know, when we get to The Last Jedi and how much I hate it, uh, I am not biased against Ryan Johnson. That's why I said it. Anyway, uh, The Perfection. Uh, Matt, what'd you think? Oh. Really quick. Yeah, you know, it wasn't what I wanted it to be, but what it was, mm-hmm. I enjoyed. All right, cool. 
Yeah, it, it, the, the, uh, the, the rest of the room seemed pretty they were angry. Quite, at quite upset it. that bunch um, <laughs> at the perfection. But I don't know. I mean, it, it twisted and turned. There were some aspects where I was kind of like, I don't think that character would act like that or whatever. But the whole movie was, you know, I mean, it's not real life, it's a movie. And right. uh, and I thought it, it made some really interesting choices, and I thought it went some places that I appreciated. And I I watched the movie and I enjoyed it. I was I don't think I was ever bored. Cool. Yeah. 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 I wasn't bored. And uh, let's see. Oh, God, I want to say that it reminds me of another other movie, and that spoils kind of like the ending. So I will say skip ahead maybe forty seconds so that I can say that. Uh, have you guys ever seen a movie called Boxing Helena? No. <laughs> the name also sounds no. familiar, but no. Have it, no, yeah, it was like one of those late night HBO movies in the eighties, and like when you watch it and you go, "Oh my, oh my god!" Um, like so, since I saw the ending of this movie in the eighties, it's not as shocking. And but in the eighties, when it happens, when like it was before, like you know, you had so many movies and TV shows that would like freaking left hook you out of nowhere with like a oh my god uh kind of ending so yeah in the 80s if if you're out there and you've seen boxing helena you know the kind of ending that happens and i guess that's all i'll say until we're off the podcast because no spoilers like that because those endings are kind of fun to behold all right and then um let's see i bet i saw Terminator Dark Fate, finally. <laughs> Speaking and, of the culture yeah. war, where do you think that one lands? Whew. That was uh, The Force Awakens as fuck. <laughs> um, like, wow. Okay, so like th- this this gets me thinking about how um, what people think uh, a sequel is or what people think a franchise is. Like, so, and, and to me, like it comes down to this conversation I keep trying to bring up on Facebook but no one wants to engage with, which is how did you play? As a kid, like um, when you watch like Star Wars and then like you and your friends are like, holy shit, let's play Star Wars. Like it, the, the forms of how this of what it takes is different for people. So for me and my buddies back before the prequels, <laughs> uh, back before even maybe the Empire Strikes Back, uh, when it came to playing Star Wars, that meant you and your friends uh, turned your porch into a spaceship and you wore a blaster on your hip however you could. And then you just ran around the neighborhood doing space adventures with aliens and maybe sword fights. And, and that's it. Like, you create your own story. But for some people, uh, for some people, sorry, um, when it comes to doing the franchise, it just it means doing a cover of the original thing. Like, they've, like some people feel Terminator is the formula of something comes from the future to attack you and you have to escape it until you destroy it. And that's it. Which to me was the formula is not the franchise to mm-hmm. me. The formula is you figured out a good story this time. And for like the way I evolved as a geek was like, I needed more star Wars. I needed more star Wars. Therefore I went to old like uh, fantasy and sci-fi books where each time they evolve, like with Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, like a new story appears, new things get discovered, you go different places, the format and and style changes. But yeah, with uh, Terminator Dark Fate, they 
They think that Terminator is the formula. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Like, is the franchise the formula, or is doing the formula like? Well, I think well that, that's franchise. an franchise. That's a really interesting mm-hmm. question because oh god, that's an entire podcast in and of itself. Uh, okay, okay, I, 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 yeah. I won't get. Can, can I give, give like two seconds? To, but not. Uh, Please, right, uh, I'll, I'll try not to get too deep. Um, by old Hollywood standards, the franchise is the formula. It's Die Hard in a plane, Die Hard in a truck, Die Hard. Mm-hmm. It, it's yeah. just the same thing again and again. That sort of shifted with like I think Lord of the Rings and the sort of rise of sequential storytelling in the MCU, where the idea is that. These are longer form stories that tease and continue to build payoffs. And when it's done really well, it's really satisfying to have like a long journey or characters go on long arcs and have these uh, great revelations. But, um, you know, the Terminator thing is just because so many different people have touched it again and again. They think that's the formula. A new Terminator has to come to the present. Uh, Sarah Connor's got to fight him. Uh, as opposed to like James Cameron, his ideas seem always seem to be like, temporal escalation where Terminator 2 mm-hmm. uh, by the events of Terminator now there's a bigger better Terminator and that's escalated things uh, but you know it's a hard franchise to evolve and Terminator 2 also had the best ending so yeah. it, you know it's like uh, <laughs> what else no one's really come up with a great idea to like come up with anything new well it's why I can appreciate what they tried to do with Salvation because Salvation tried they tried to move yes. that story forward, but yep. it was a little. They fucked up the story boring. all the place. It was a little bit boring, and and people were like, at least at the time, they were like, "This isn't what I came to see." You know, people wanted yeah. more of the formula like, versus versus fur- furthering the franchise. Me, I like I liked it in reverse. You know, it, I, I wanted to see more about more about the war against the machines and Skynet. I wanted that. I appreciated it. I could have appreciated Same. it done a little better, but I appreciated them trying. So. I wanted to see this since Terminator One. <laughs> Everyone did. Um, the, yeah, like when I saw that future, like the, when me and my buddies played Terminator, that's what we played. <laughs> like we would always get like uh, an Uzi with a sight on it, and like we'd run around the neighborhood like dodging robots in, in the, the post-apocalyptic future. And then, like, when they did Salvation, I'm like, finally! I finally get, oh, God, it's horrible. Because, <laughs> um, like, the story was just, just slapdash all over the place. And what we came here, like, like I, I don't know anybody who's ever been like, I can't wait to see the future war so I can learn about this human that <laughs> got turned into a robot that could, and, like, I'm like, I don't care right. about you, dude. And then, like, by the end of it, um, like, they, they even wanted to do the stupid ending where the, uh, robot eventually john connor dies and the robot gets john connor's face <laughs> yeah, and i'm like what are you doing <laughs> um and also i i, I was on, a, on my on my on my walk picking pick up a final faction action figure when i think i figured out why this gets done and uh it's about like how artists don't want to use your characters <laughs> they want to use their own world and story mm. and characters so like like hey can you sit down and make a tournament movie sure Man, John Carter, John Carter, John Connor was made by James Cameron. But if I was to make a character, and then like that's what gets into their head, and they, they want to make their own world and story each time versus carrying on, well, which is understandable, I think, because people mm-hmm. want, especially creatives, want to make their own story. But at the same time, they can mm-hmm. have that old character in there to draw people in and then kill them. <laughs> 
Yeah. But if you're going to so, do that, so like there's, that, there's that's why ways the original... to go about it than, than what they did in Dark Fate. That's, yep. what, that's what kills me. <laughs> that's what... Uh, so, people, and then, like, so. I've been watching, like, the... <laughs> The path of like what they did, the, the path of the original trilogy was amazing. Uh, there's a thing called the uh, Hermit's Journey on YouTube, um, and like it shows like the life of George Lucas and like everything he went through. So, with the original trilogy, you have so many different great people who are great at art working together, but you always have the one person with the vision saying we're building on what came before, versus like the new trilogy where. You don't have the one vision person anymore, except for Captain <laughs> Kennedy. <laughs> anyway, uh, you you don't have that person anymore. So that instead of like building on, you have someone like, well, I want to make my own thing, and then you get the last yeah. guy, and then you're like, fucking dude, and then you get returned, <laughs> revised well, the Skywalker. Uh, oh, one other yeah. thought, and then we'll you know the the painful thing, and I, like I, you see this a lot, where like I, I think that's just frustrating with like things like Resident Evil and other geek adaptations, is that it seems like for uh, Terminator Salvation, the easiest thing of you know everyone wants the future war, just make aliens in the Terminator universe. Oh my God, Skynet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Holy oh, shit. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Skynet is making horrible new Terminators where they're like harvesting people and putting chips in their brain and they're horrible amalgamations. They're terrifying. <laughs> we got to send in a crack team to infiltrate and bomb this uh, factory to stop these horrible abominations. There. Bam. Bro. This guy gets it. This guy gets it. Thank just, you. Just do um, that. <laughs> yeah. And if you want like the true, like, what our minds see as like the sequel to like aliens, you you really do have to go to the comic books and the books and like, you want more real Terminator, what I consider real Terminator comic books, like the comic books are for aliens and the books were amazing. Like we had crack teams going in again and getting killed and yeah. So, but in the movies, instead of con- evolving in the story and growing, like how writers do it. Yeah. It turns into that corporate machine of, Repackage. We know this one makes money, so yeah. we'll have John Connor. But we're also going to have Marcus. Trust us, you're going to love Marcus. He, he he's really cool. He's got the heart of a machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We got Luke Skywalker, but yeah, we don't care about him right now. Uh, Ray. Now this chick here, she can beat anybody. Come on, give me some money. Give some money. I mean, I did. so yeah. Creative is uh, creativity is a is, is a fun world to to it's dig good. around in. Stuff out there. Um, the last two things. Uh, I'm going to uh, knock through, I got three things, I'm going to knock through them really quickly. I'm going to quickly say the Bad Batch is uh, rightfully nicknamed the Dad yeah. Batch. Uh, we we wanted Republic Commando, but it's the Babysitter's <laughs> Club, and oh god. It hurts so much. So it's five much five clones Tony? and a baby. Oh my god. It's like, see like, um, when you first saw them in like the final season of the Clone Wars, like it really felt like, all right, we're getting back to Star Wars and just like guys, just like shooting stuff, and we're gonna, and, like we're going to do Republic Commando, the TV series. Like, oh my god, and like got my popcorn ready, <laughs> and then hey, it's it's, it's Omega. What? Yeah, Omega. She's the center. Oh, she seems nice. <laughs> oh, she got caught again and again, and oh god, yeah, the dad batches. <laughs> and what's getting really annoying is that um, everybody every time I bring this up, I get I get like two or three people at least that tell me, Get it time. You gave Asuka time. Yep. You gave Ahsoka time, you gave Ezra time, and look at them now. Just give it time. Like But they at least had something 
some little thing to hook me when they were first introduced. I'm not getting that at and, all from Omega yet. Yeah, for me, I was with Ahsoka and Ezra right away. Like, they're lower level, but they were never, to me, they were never obnoxious or got in the way of the story or or, or made the stories too there, much There was a sliver of potential that they had for character growth, and you could tell that seed was planted from the very beginning. All I'm getting from Omega is, um, I'm a kid clone Pay attention to me. Don't leave me alone. Yep. Guys, I'm, I'm the kid. Guys, I'm the kid. I'm the demographic. You're, the worst you're possible you, right? thing but you can do I'm, is leave me alone. So don't leave me alone because I'm important. I'm in the story. Hello. Yeah, the, the least thing they should be doing with her is taking her into very dangerous combat zones, uh, which they do all the time. Blame, Gra- <sighs> blame Grogu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Grogu showed the familiar, yep, you know, yep. formula for perceived the father formula. <laughs> it goes back to what we, oh, what we were talking about earlier. They they got the proof that they needed before that this formula works. So they're going to do it again and again and again for as long as it works. Second try. All right, then I'm going to move on really quickly uh, to a, a. I did like a double feature of Army of the Dead, so I can have more Zack Snyder to talk <laughs> oh. about. And then Return of the Living Dead. Army of the Dead is a uh, fun piece of trash. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, like, the, to, the, this is like Zack Snyder, him saying, guys, let's play zombies. That's all we're doing here. We're playing zombies. That means we roll out and we shoot and we have fun. Plus, also, we're going to be doing an Aliens cover, <laughs> which made a lot of people <laughs> mad. But to me, it wasn't a rip. It, it was obvious what he was doing. So I thought... It was a fun. It was fun to see him do a cover of Aliens because it was like not hidden. If that made sense, like right down to like I, I could tell what was happening and what was going to happen. I just need to see how he was going to remix it. Like they there's like a helipad where they had to get to. And don't don't worry about the spoilers because like this movie is not about. Oh my god, I can't believe that happened. <laughs> it's it's just like just it's a it's a it is a a, a thrill ride. So like. Um, Ripley gets to the pad where, uh, bitch, Bishop, you asshole, and Bishop's gone, and then the monster's coming for them, and then the ship rises up behind her, and she's like, oh, oh my god, and they get away. And then they do the exact same thing, they get to the top of a building where a helicopter's supposed to be waiting for them for, with Tignataro at the, the helm, and then like, no, and then like the monster appears, then she rises up, like, he did like covers, it was fun, I liked it a lot, and yeah. It's not a great movie. It's just fun playing zombies. Yeah. Uh, um, well, I, yeah. I almost want to feel like save this for the Excalibur Please. conversation, but then I'll go do a little bit. But uh, okay. Yeah, Our Army of the Dead was a movie. Like I was like, oh, I mean, it was, it was all right. Uh, I didn't hate it, but like, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was getting really excited when they're introducing all the characters, and they introduce a whole bunch of other ones that are like more than they needed for fodder. And I was just so sad when they. Yep. Uh, you know, oh, this is interesting. You could barter with the zombies. There are different zombie lords of this over this uh, kingdom of um, uh, Las er, Las Vegas. Oh, what, what are you going to do with this new weird setup? The rules are all out the window. But then, kind of n- didn't really follow up with that. Nope. But they will. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm positive that like this is one of the most popular things ever happened on Netflix. So Zach just wrote him himself. Uh, 
you can do whatever fuck you want. Uh, check. I, 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 I'd be interesting. I know that they want it to be like a big thing, but need I remind you? Number one was Jupiter's uh, Legacy, and that got canceled. Um, let's see. Yeah, but also like the they lost the creator, uh, the guy who did Spartacus, who's pretty bitter on Twitter about what. We oh, really? Do you, do you um, have any details or small, quick? No details yet. Like I, I just got, I just start using Twitter regularly, and like I've been contacting like the the guy. He's like uh, yeah, Steve yeah. the Knight. Uh, he, yeah, he's a fun guy, and um, I can get the, de- the details. But like him and all of his fans are like, what the fuck happened with that? And so, but with Zack Snyder, like he's he's gleeful. <laughs> he's and did, uh, did you guys see the robot zombie? Yeah, what, what was the deal with that? I was so confused. There's like this Terminator <laughs> zombie, but it's never explained. Are we supposed to assume that there were robots that were like in Vegas that got zombified? I, uh, I'm positive it's because Zack Snyder is uh, he's just a fucking geek. He, he can't stop himself. Uh, where like he's like, you know what would be cool right here? Let's say it's a robot right there. We'll figure it out later. But like, let's we'll see if people notice, and let's put a robot right there. And like, yeah, like every saw, like there was maybe two of them, and you, you see them, they their mouths open up, and their robots hey, are like, what hey, the fuck? We, and then like, we it's never, never figured touched. it out. We just put them in, but we didn't, we didn't explain it. We, we, no, no, we gotta explain. All right. <laughs> Next movie, but and now now we are going to be getting more movies. So yeah. It, pay, it this time it paid off for him. Unlike uh, putting uh, Batman with the Joker in the future, which mm. will never pay so off. What, so you got one more thing you were geeking on, Keith? One last thing is uh, Loki, oh, yeah. the first episode. Uh, yes. Everybody see that? I'm going to see it this Sunday. Is it any good? It looks good. Uh, I like everything I've seen. It is. Yep, without spoilers, it's good. Um, it's, there, there, it's a lot of place setting. A lot of place setting, but it has a lot open yeah. like they they move the character into a place where you can pretty much almost do anything and like what usually holds back a lot of uh, marvel shows is that the characters can only do too so much but they can't do too much without you know they don't want to affect the movie franchise so it almost seems like they run in place and they just get a character they're like a costume change and nothing in the world really changes uh but here like, although you, you likely won't change much in the movie-verse, like, they can now hit the character with anything they can imagine, which should create some pretty impressive stories. Yeah, yeah, I, there's some things I could say, but they'd be start going into spoiler territory, so mm-hmm. uh, I, won't, I won't say those things. I think I enjoyed it for what it was, and yeah, I agree, it's a lot of setup, but it's the first episode of the season, so so we'll see. Cool. Maybe we'll review it. One one thing I'm a little worried about Loki, though, is um, Mm -hmm. it's only six episodes. For me, like, it seems like it's an amazing setup for, like, Rick and Morty. You can tell infinite stories with Loki. Uh, So, you know, I don't want event television. You know, it's one of the very few instances where I would love episodic uh, stories. So that's my fear, is that, like, I I don't want another WandaVision or Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I just want Loki forever doing time crimes in the TVA Mm. and for that to go on forever. Yeah, that sounds fun. This now you said six episodes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll see how this turns out. <laughs> but good place setting episode. All right, that'll be it for our dorking. 
and we'll see you on the other side as we step up to see if we are worthy to pull Excalibur. Orion Pictures presents John Foreman's Excalibur. One word! One king! They are warriors, lovers, kings, men of swords, sorcery, and desire. Their only fear is the pain of love. Excalibur, rated R. Now playing. Check newspapers for local listing. All right, and we're back to take on Excalibur. Um, did anyone else besides me grow up with this movie? Nope. No. I did not. I just saw it, like, uh, ah. probably half an hour ago. Damn. Damn. <laughs> All right, then I will go into my past of this movie. Um, it starts back in the 80s. Dun, 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 dun. I'm doing the style of how overblown Excalibur is. <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, in the 80s, uh, my consciousness became to, to, to come online. Um, things that Keith loved back then were swords and fighting bad guys and Star Wars. And like, it, it, I was just starved for, like, anything. Like, give me more of, like, this 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 fiction, this fantasy. And um, so, like, there's, like, short movies like Sword and Sorcerer and... Yeah, then Excalibur comes on TV, and uh, I think um, my childhood reaction to it at the time was uh, feeling like I was probably watching uh, a horror movie, mm, mm-hmm. um, and scared and intimidated because I was also once upon a time like a, a straight up uh, Christian, like a, a literal believer in the Bible once upon a time. So all this stuff like with like God, or it looks like God. And, and lots of, like, Christianity and stuff, like, it all rang kind of crisp and true to me. And, like, yeah. Um, then over, like, it, it took more time to, like, me to fall more in love with it. Uh, I kept coming back to it. The fights were brutal and b- badass to me. And then, like, yeah, as a kid, as a, now as a grown-up, like, uh, for me, it keeps getting better. Like, um, when it comes to fiction that lately... Uh, America in general, I think, has been fucking up with, like, trying to make good fiction. Like, there's too much corporations, there's too much doing patterns and, and uh, s- uh, formulas where I'm looking for the experience of, like, truly being transported to someplace else so that, like, while I'm watching it, I don't feel like I'm watching a movie. Uh, I'm seeing, I'm, I'm more, like, looking through a window to another world. And... That is a lot of what this movie feels like to me. Uh, when I watch it, I get transported. Um, with like this movie, I think I took the fewest notes I ever took from any of the movies because, like, uh, after a while, I got absorbed by the feel, like everything about it, everyone in it, is, is all in. I'm not seeing someone like saying, "Well, you know, I, I need to do this, you know, because this will help my career." Or I'm the star because you guys all know that I am this person. I saw King Arthur and, and Merlin and Morgana, and uh, I got I achieved one more layer of appreciation for it by watching this like uh, this video by Comic Book Girl fourteen or nineteen. Or nineteen. Like that, right? She's she's the she, one with the short hair. Uh, yeah, yeah. She did like uh, every frame of Frazetta painting or something like that, where she pointed out how like 
uh, Frank Frazetta's art uh, infected so many creatives so that like in Excalibur, like every shot, if you freeze frame it, looks like it's a Frazetta painting. And like, yeah, um, the movies just sweep me away. So that's my take on it. But I know Matt didn't like it. So Matt, what's your take? So I saw this for the first time um, not quite a year ago. I was actually visiting my buddy Eric in Baltimore, and he's like, dude, you've got to watch Excalibur. I'm like, uh-huh. all right. So I, I, I watched it. To me, it's funny. You, you mentioned like watching it as a kid. To me, this reminds me of the kind of thing that I would have on the TV on a rainy Sunday morning while I played with yep. Legos. <laughs> yep. It exactly how it was. Kind of like be in the background. And... Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I think I want to like it. Mm-hmm. I want to like this movie because it looks like everybody is having a blast <laughs> mm-hmm. the entire time. And it is just, and, and they're not really trying too hard to be like, hey, look how magical and wonderful it is in medieval times. No, it's muddy, it's bloody, it's gross. Mm-hmm. Um, but wow, everybody is screaming all mm-hmm. the time. They're all yelling at each other. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, Maybe when we get that's, more into it, and that's all they talked back then. Actually, they just all yelled. They had the they had the yells. You're right. Um, they didn't have phones or microphones. <laughs> are you gonna hear them? And they didn't have antibiotics, so they all had earaches when they were kids. They <laughs> couldn't hear each other. So it's just like yeah, they they're all hard of hearing, and that's what we're. That's, this is the result. Um, and so I don't know. I just I I tend to find myself getting bored with it. Uh, mm-hmm. I find like most of the performances are over the top, yeah, but I. <laughs> And the music is way too much. Uh, I find the fighting to be reminiscent of a medieval times. Um, what was, what uh, was yeah. that classical uh, track that they kept on playing? Oh, Fortuna. Uh, Camina Barana. Yeah, there, there you go. Was like, I think there was like three times where they had like a little Obi and Barama montage where they sort of charged war. And the last, yep. at the last point, um, they, they, they cut from, from Arthur and his army to Mordred. And it and it just washed out a little bit until until the camera went back to them. So you, you could you could see like it was only really playing when when they when they were coming up. Like, <laughs> and, and, the, and, mm-hmm. and the first question that came to mind when I saw that scene is I wonder if Mordred is thinking the exact same thing I am. Like, where is that music coming from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's kind of like it's like a lot of times it, the, the music should be should be there to underscore the action. Right, mm-hmm. but the, the the sometimes the music felt like it was just overlaid on top of it. Um, it's like it's also there, um, but like I'm not look. I'm not saying it's a bad movie um, mm-hmm. at all. I appreciate it. Like I said, I want to like it. I think maybe mm-hmm. it's just not for me. Um, and it might have imprinted on me at the right time. Right. Well, maybe, but I think a, I think there's a lot of love out there for this movie. And the thing is, is that like it's pretty weird. Um, mm-hmm. and like, we'll, we'll get into it, I suppose, as we talk about it, but like this movie does a lot of things that like other movies don't necessarily do. And I think maybe one of the reasons that, that I subconsciously rebel against it is, you know, King Arthur and everything is like one of the classic, you know, hero, hero hero's journeys, right. With King Arthur and mm-hmm. all that, but it doesn't really follow that same formula per se, because we're mm-hmm. following so many different characters. Um, and also... I, I will say that it's taken many times of watching it to understand it because of how I, I, I can be, I'll be critical of something I love. Um, and the, so, and also 
I like the things that I don't like about it, sort of, if that makes sense. It does. Um, I'll say it's it's bad at um, transitions. Like, yes, <laughs> you, you don't know what, how much time ever passed between. Nope. Wait, what the fuck happened? Wait, why is it? Why, why is he old right now? I'm, Wait. I'm glad. Yes, I'm glad I watched it a second time because the first time I watched it, I'm like, what is this morass that I've gotten myself into? What is happening? What year is it? Um, yeah. And, but then the second time I watched it, I'm like, oh, okay, time has passed and they could have done a better job with that. Yeah. With, you know, the, the, these And one of the things that I learned before I go on to other people's takes, uh, what you're talking about with like how everything is muddy and the fights are not good, um, sort of. I like how bad they are. You like how? Uh, I mean, I don't. Yeah. I don't know how a medieval fight looked. I wasn't the, there. The, the <laughs> thing. Is, the thing about this movie is that uh, they didn't choreograph the fights. Like, um, so like every, the, the the shoot was so fucking hard on everyone. Like when they're making the armor, like they had this one guy. They're like, "Hey, man, all right, we're hiring you to make the armor for this, and I know it's gonna be tough, but I need you to make. Can you make at least like ten of these?" And he's like, "Yeah, I can do ten, guys. I got you." And then he ended up making a, a hundred plus. What? And yeah, so like he's like, Ugh. and then like when like the people got their armors, they're like, holy shit, this is hot and heavy. Yeah, yeah I know. And so, so on top of all of that, they're like, fuck it, guys, just go at it. Like, just go at it. There's no choreography in this movie. Oh my god, that's amazing. So, that explains a lot. a lot. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, like when when people are being thrown around and like just smacked and like thrown falling down, and why it looks like medieval times is because <laughs> on the spot they're like, guys. We gotta get this done in this amount of time, um, and then like it's dangerous because people don't know if they're gonna get hit or not. Right. So yeah, that's what we saw on screen. Which Amazing. Now I like it more. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, respect. And also, like I mentioned, I think that maybe this. I think in certain aspects they were having fun, but then I was also concerned just how muddy and wet and mm-hmm. hot it must have been. There must have been plenty of moments where they were absolutely miserable. Mm-hmm. filming this but anyway i have i have notes i have things i want to talk about things i want to bring up um but I, I i will leave it at that for now cool all right isaac what'd you think i am falling into the uh, camp of i appreciated its cultural significance more so than i actually mm-hmm. liked it uh because on one mm-hmm. hand it does feel like it's like this towering years spanning epic but it's also like kind of clumsy and clunky and also feels like it's uh you know at times three movement speed where it's like hey uh, i i i'm arthur oh yes i i love you son oh you you have the stonies you're the king now you gotta all right where do i go you, you go there your kingdom's over there yeah where do i go over there go run run okay why am, why am i here fight the people dude yeah yeah fight the people all right you're the king all right fantastic oh i need i need the best guy uh, lancelot all right lancelot hey uh, oh shit my pride broke the sword well the lady of the lake uh, take it oh it's back we're we're, we're good oh man yeah like all this yeah in in I've been watching it so many times over time that now when I see it, like, this is the truth, guys. Like, all right, this is this is how it happens. And, like, because it's so against formula and because it's so muddy and, and messy and not conventional, like, for me, like, it, it makes me love it more now. Right. Well, because, like, yeah, I'm seeking something different 
and this because uh, but it's it's interesting because like what I found in the real most interesting thing is imagining that little Zack Snyder coming home from the gym with his like action figures and being transfixed <laughs> by it because you can see yep. a lot about it and like when you look at his approach with the Justice League because this isn't like yep. a heroic telling of uh, King Arthur this kind of like embraces his flaws of Merlin Merlin basically <laughs> uses magic to help his father go uh, face off uh, rape or ravage you know the rival king who he just sees like yeah I want to hit that uh, oh, and the idea of like you know that uh, King Arthur builds his uh, court of knights and everything is so good and just, but ultimately he's brought down by his half sister and his inability to sort of forgive Lancelot or his flaws of being the perfect king. And you almost kind of feel like that was like um, Zack Snyder's approach to Superman to have this like King Arthur figure where he is both larger than life. Every scene you see Superman. And he's like a, a Zeta painting brought to life, but he's also dragged down by uh, the mortals in his mortal inclinations. So in, in that sense, it does uh, c- coincide as a really good uh, send off to, you know, the Snyder cut and Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman in terms of like uh, it is Zack Snyder's Excalibur with mm-hmm. uh Superman action figure and Batman action figure instead of King Arthur. Did you guys see the the uh the stabbing homage where Mordred uh impales oh, uh, Arthur yeah. and Arthur pulls himself up the spear to stab yes. Mordred? Oh my gosh. And that's yeah, what right. Superman does to Doomsday? Oh, oh. shit. <laughs> 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 yeah, like that. There's like uh, even like it, like uh, you'll see if you sit down and watch the commentary, uh, or just download it and listen to it as a podcast. It was so good. But like, yeah, he's like, see right here, right here, where he's pulling himself up Doomsday. Like, I got some Excalibur, and it's like, ah, oh, man, I fucking love you, man. You're so much well, fun. Wow, so he actually said that. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Is, oh my gosh. Well, is there a scene <laughs> in the Snyder Cut where also uh, Cyborg says the thing where like that uh, Merlin says where it's like now time is set forward or the the past is set to this moment right now. Uh, oh my god. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, nah, I was looking it up. It's great. Uh, there's this it's the scene before they revive Superman where Flash is about to hit him and Cyborg says uh the future is oh, written yeah. here. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Cuz the idea is oh the idea god. is that like by Ensuring uh, that uh, you know, uh, with uh, King Arthur and uh, that is, uh, you know, that King Arthur is born. He also ensures his downfall through his half sister, who you know becomes this uh, sorceress and has an incestuous relationship to create the, the Mordred. Uh, I get take that Game of Thrones, <laughs> yeah, just the same way that um, uh, Superman reviving him eventually leads him to becoming Nightmare Superman, who uh, creates the Nightmare Universe. Um, let's see. Oh, and then, and then like also I meant to mention in Army of the Dead, uh, there's a safe cracking scene and like the guy that's like his favorite thing in the universe is great safes and cracking them. And then like when he finally achieves it and it starts to crack open the literal music that happens for Excalibur when you see Excalibur starts playing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like wow. He, he he took the straight up the the soundtrack from Excalibur and put it into Army of the Dead. So he's continuing his Excalibur um like I'm not sure how, how many movies he's been doing this in a row, but ever since at least Batman v Superman, he gets, oh Like yeah, in Batman v Superman, his parents went to go see Excalibur 
before yeah, the next yeah, deal. that was another detail. Uh, so, oh my gosh, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll see it like when they walk out of the theater, the movie up there, it's it's a caliber. He's got to update it because uh, <laughs> nobody's seen Zorro in the eighties. Which, uh, which is a layered uh, metaphor of also like the death of his parents is basically Batman pulling the sword from the stone. Ah, metaphors. <laughs> Yeah. Um, let's see. So the past of this was like the guy who made it. Uh, the guy who made this movie, I, I forget his name, but he's had like up to that point, he's had a, a rough go at making stuff that I liked a lot. Um, so like he made Ex- Exorcist 2, which is just panned across everyone except but for me. But didn't he also do uh, Deliverance though? Uh, so, you know, he had, had to have a decent amount of clout because I know Deliverance is like very well respected. I, I love his visual, the, 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 there's like a, almost a kind of like a, a steel gold shine to the film that, uh, of everything. You guys mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about? Oh, you mean, you mean, oh, for sure. No, that's got a color palette. Um, absolutely. I mean, like one of the things I was, I was thinking, and we are, okay, we're not talking about Exorcist 2, we're still talking about Excalibur, right? Um, um, we'll be talking about both simultaneously because they both have the same visual flair, oh, but you mean Excalibur. Well, yeah, but so, like, one of the things that obviously that I noticed a lot was just, like, more lights on the armor. Like, this, like, there were times I could actually, like, see the lights that were making the armor be oh, shiny. cool. You know, like, being reflected. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, th- yeah. Like, that's part of the, what makes it those that Frazetta painting is, that, like, they just made this armor so freaking shiny. Yeah, he he gave the whole film and Exodus to this unique metallic color palette that I love. That I ended up seeing, and the reason why um, I I definitely had to say, all right, guys, we need to see this. Is he um, Zack Snyder used the same kind of uh, sheen on the Snyder League cut? Oh, interesting. Now, something yeah. like in regard to lighting, really quick, did you notice that every time, almost every time something magical happened, there was like a green sheen that started happening? Yep. So I I, I uh, kind of noticed, and then also like in this like retrospective, they mentioned that he's like, hell yeah, I'm put some green sheen on this. <laughs> some green sheen. <laughs> but yeah, green sheen. I love yeah, like when like it, it gave like the Excalibur itself like kind of a, uh, a mystical glow. I loved it. Well, one thing I was kind of curious about um, uh, the Excalibur, and I was trying to figure this out. So you know the scene where Lancelot uh, fights the, the armor which I guess is supposed to be the mm-hmm. visual metaphor of him fighting his desires for to be with Guinevere. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Do you yeah. think that was an homage to Empire Strikes Back? Because Empire I Strikes noticed Back... That. Do you think Empire... Cause as I was looking at it, I was like, which came out first? And apparently Empire Strikes Back came out in the eight, you know, 1980. Well, this came out a year later. Right. Oh. Yep. Okay. Uh, very likely. Like, everyone was... Anyone doing fantasy, everybody was trying to be Star Wars. So very likely and I uh I I I've always hated the Lancelot story um but I get like the uh the reason why like it, it's it's trying to tell a basic tale of like how like you'll have falling out with friends and shit that you don't expect will happen and and whatnot is just trying to teach like tales about life uh mm-hmm. but w- outside of the allegory I'm like dude Lance a lot, really. <laughs> like you can't one girl. Like you really can have anyone on the planet, oh. and you can't stop yourself at all. This entire 
movie was predicated on guys being unable to keep it in their oh pants. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, like the, the first guy, the pin, pin dragon. Like, yeah. dude, you have a kingdom. And yeah, you well, can't stop yourself from doing magic I, so you can have sex with one girl. I have sex with a pretty lady. You see how pretty she was? Did you You're going to lose right? everything, but she's beautiful. I want everything. I want it. I want her. <laughs> <laughs> He wouldn't have noticed that he was Merlin's like, I can see the future. You're gonna fucking die and lose everything. Don't do this. He's like, shut up. Make me a space bridge so I get there. <laughs> God damn it, dude. Yeah, he sure did. He, yeah, he sure you did. got it, dude. Congratulations. But I, but I think also, like, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what this movie is about. But also, Merlin was the puppet master. He wanted those things to happen. He complains and he rails on it and everything, but it was all part of the plan in the end. Or maybe he was just adjusting as he went. I don't know. I I, I didn't see him. I, I I didn't see him make that happen. I saw that him being like he's a force of nature that has to bend to the wills of men. And mm-hmm. like, yeah. So like, this guy says, "I want this." He's like, "Fine, fuck it, man. You, I, <laughs> if you want it, then you can die. I don't give a hey, shit. We can make this work." <laughs> and like, yeah, I, I, I kind of like really quickly, like, uh, like as a kid, like all this stuff is so confusing. And then like, I, I always hated as a kid up to an adult where, um, in fantasy, if they start talking about a dragon and you never see a dragon, I was like, yeah, very frustrated about that. It's like, they keep on talking about it. And I'm like, all right, let, let's see this dragon. I, I, I want to see this <laughs> dragon. This better not be a metaphor dragon. I'm going to be furious if this yep. is metaphor magic. <laughs> Yep, I was, and then like when Dragon Slayer came out, I was like, I was clapping like, mm-hmm, dang, fuck you, see, just put a dragon on the screen, because like, I, I even expected Dragon Slayer to do it, I was like, oh, okay, you guys are just going to talk about dragons again, but you don't actually see it, or maybe the dragon's a metaphor for an actual army, like it was in the last, the uh, 13th Warrior, I think it was called, oh, god, that bothered me, <laughs> like, yeah, there's a Antonio Banderas movie, yeah, where he yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Eaters, the, the, Eaters of the Dead. The, the Michael Crichton book. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. They're like, there's a dragon in the, the mountains. I'm like, oh my God. Oh, it's just people. You shut that <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, that is, mm, I hate it so much. <laughs> and they, really, they, really they tried it. to yeah. mix in like multiple, multiple folk stories. Like they threw in Beowulf, such as Boothweith in this. Now, did they do that in, in the book too? What happened in Beowulf? So they mixed in Beowulf, the the folktale Beowulf, and into into the, into the Thirteenth Warrior, and he, and even even as a kid, uh, I was like, this seems really out of place because they're not really focusing on him. He's just kind of there. Interesting. Well, <laughs> what, wasn't the whole inspiration about the Thirteenth Warrior, and as well as the book, is that like you know this is the real life inspiration of what created Beowulf, uh, oh. the Legend of that that's what wow. I think the idea was because uh, Michael Crichton like made had this. I remember reading the prologue of the Thirteenth Warrior ages ago when I was like thirteen, and Michael Crichton says, "You know, I'm looking at these texts. This would make a really good adventure story. There's things from Beowulf. Uh, oh. So that, that's why I'm going to do it." Well, <laughs> then that's cool. And I always uh, grumble. I always have a personal bias against making uh, fantasy realistic, like. Mm. To me, whenever I see that, it just means that you're ashamed of the source material and you're embarrassed of just like having fun with it. Like, uh, the, like uh, the Chris Nolan Batman stuff. I was like, uh. <laughs> but what if Batman was in a real world? Like, 
You are you're, you're embarrassed of capes or something well, like that, um, that. That brings a really really interesting question to kind of bring up because I guess Zack Snyder strives that line, and maybe that's why um, you know it didn't quite quit, click uh, because uh, Zack Snyder, you know, on one hand he wants uh, to be like gritty realistic, but on the other hand he also wants to be operatic, larger than life. This is the most important thing in the world, and you can sort of see mm-hmm. that. And uh, you know, I guess you could say that uh, Excalibur is that aesthetic writ large, just not quite filtered through the Game of Thrones prisms of grit that made it tolerable to a real audience. Because I, I, I guess, like, like uh, on a surface level, this is Game of Thrones, uh, incest, king and queen, uh, rape through magic. But I guess because it didn't quite have that sort of like kind of more grounded human performances, it feels mm-hmm. like this higher realm. And maybe that's sort of the aesthetic of that Zack Snyder's always like chasing. And, you know, I, I honestly, it feels like the best aesthetic uh, application of Zack Snyder's talents was 300. That was like the best mix mm-hmm. of talent and source material. And that was like the most uh, the best attempt at creating a hyper reality that was also loosely based in history. So it's, it felt grounded. Oh, this is a, an actual real story, not quite as you imagined, but it exists in this hyper reality. Uh, versus, uh, you know, Batman versus Superman, where on one hand it's like, oh, this is a grim story. This is a, a story about politics and you know people getting gunned down in Africa and court hearings. Mm-hmm. But on the also hand, it's also this huge epic where uh, Superman has to fight a, a cave troll in a nuclear explosion. Um, so Nostalgia Critic points something out when it comes to creatives which is uh, when they get to the point where they don't have to answer anyone is when the art starts taking a hit so like Uh, with 300 I'm betting he still had a lot of people to answer to and it was still pretty small scale but like once he did that then you can do whatever you want (laughs) and then you start fucking up and that's like why uh, Wonder Woman 1984 sucks. <laughs> it's because, like, the first Wonder Woman was... I thought I thought the first Wonder Woman was really good. It was. And therefore, Patty Jenkins now has my uh, my certificate of, man, you're awesome, and I can't wait to see what you do next. And then, like, now she's like, ah, ha, 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 I can do whatever I want! <laughs> and then she just, like, just starts fucking around, and, like, no one can stop her, because once you get enough clout, then, like, you're George Lucas. You can just... No one says no to me. La 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 la. Now I'm making goofier shit, which seems to happen to creators a lot. It does. As they go on, I see on a much smaller scale. I see that happen to almost anybody. Like mm-hmm. maybe this is a different situation, but like sometimes somebody they'll be like the brief moments I was a manager. Somebody would be halfway through a job and mm-hmm. they'd be doing a good job. So I'd go and I'd see that and be like, oh, I'd say, hey, good job. They just stop. Mm-hmm. It's like they're just done working. They've been told they did a good job. Now they're done, you know. And so I don't know. I think sometimes when that happens, and you're like, "Oh, hey, good job, great job, you really did." I'm like, "Oh, sweet, I can relax now." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something. Maybe that's not necessarily what's happening, but that could be a factor. Um, so we shouldn't ever tell anybody that they did a good job. Is really my point. I, I, I also maybe think it's like a, maybe it's just a thing, a path of life, even because uh, yeah. like I've been seeing this across the board where. Um, I've been going back to like creators that I lost track of in my life, such as a guy named uh, Douglas Hill, who wrote the Last Legionary series, which is basically this uh, guy on a planet and of warriors who are basically space Spartans, 
And like, hmm. you know, they get hired out to, you know, win wars and stuff. And then like someone builds, blows up his planet and he's just rolling through the galaxy. And he finds the warlord and it's really good. Like it's written so well. Like it's like watching a samurai swing a sword. And then, um, later in life now, I found like, you know, like that was like what he was writing in like, I think the seventies and eighties. And then like, I, I, I caught up to like some of the stuff I think he wrote like in like maybe like the nineties or two thousands. And man, he lost his mind. Uh, Whoa. He's rambling and, and, and like crazy shit is happening. And like the world building is like, you keep up with me. I'm not going to tell you. And it's fun. It's interesting. And then also uh, the guy who did Cowboy Bebop went on to make Space Dandy, which mm. once again. Did you enjoy Space yeah. Dandy? I'm loving it now. I didn't like it. I, I did not like it at all at first. And for a, a couple of years, because. I didn't want goofy, wild, wacky, <laughs> and now I'm watching it, and like I, I kind of lose it up myself, and now I'm getting kind of uh, made in love with how freeform and wild he's getting. Yeah, each one is. I think each one is like a different animation director. It's almost kind of like an anthology mm-hmm. series, and that how each one has a different tone. But uh, mm-hmm. all, well, I, I was kind of curious to ask you on this like uh, question of tone. For like uh, the DC universe, uh, you know Zack Snyder. So if, if Batman vs Superman is like the middle brow between um, goofy fun and operatic and uh, super grounded, gritty, realistic, what, mm-hmm. what, what are you guys? Are, uh, what is the general consensus? Do you prefer Aquaman in terms of fun, goofy, and playful, or Joker? Uh, you know, twenty nineteen Joker, Joaquin Phoenix. I've I massively prefer Aquaman. Um, the the really quickly on Joker, uh, I saw what looked like a great movie, but I did not experience a great movie from the script and what I saw. Like it was a really weird experience where like I I fell asleep twice during it, and but like while I was watching, Whoa. I was like, man, this looks. I feel like I should be more engaged. I feel like I'm watching uh, an Oscar award winning movie, but I didn't, it didn't look like, or actually feel like it. And, and so, yeah, um, that's more, but like, I'm glad I'm, I'll say I'm glad they did it. Yeah. Yeah. Like personally, I prefer the Aquaman type movies. I'm going to sit down and watch a comic book movie. That's mm-hmm. what I'm expecting. That's what I want. If I'm sitting down to watch a Joker type movie, uh, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker, I'm like, okay. All right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be sad. And I'm going to watch this movie. <laughs> going to be sad. <laughs> and that's okay, because I really did like that movie. I like Joker. I like people experimenting. So yeah, exactly. I prefer people not to make excuses to show comic book stuff, which to me, if you're realistic, you're making excuses. Yeah. Every uh, once yeah. in a while, I think it's super, super fun to see that the realistic mixed with the fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of, like... Found footage movies are excellent at that. I don't know if I've ever brought up Troll Hunter before. It's one of my favorite movies. Oh, Troll Hunter is great. It's, I, I need to watch it. it. Oh, it's def- it. definitely and worth it's, watching. Yeah, check it out. Um, and I mean, actually, maybe that'll be a fun thing to to watch online. But anyway, so like, it is this uh, found footage movie where these people go and meet up with this guy who's supposed to be a troll hunter, and so it looks quote unquote realistic, and then the trolls show up, and it's just insane. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so I really like that amalgamation that 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 you know where it kind of gets combined like that. But you do need the fantastical elements for that to work for me. All right, all right. Um, 
going back to Excalibur. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it happens. I love the third act. Oh, oh I do want to say, yeah, I, I don't think that, that Tony has had a chance to say how he felt about the movie. Oh, please. Thank you. I knew I was freaking, I was like, I'm freaking something right now. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Tony, please. How'd you feel? about the movie um kind of like what isaac said i i can appreciate the cultural aspect of it and, and the importance mm-hmm. of it but from a movie perspective uh, it was a little rough for me I, this was okay I, I i got it yesterday i watched it last night and this morning and i gotta say um overall it kind of feels like monty python and the holy grail played as straight as possible Yes, yes, yes. That was one of my notes. Uh-huh. Absolutely. This is no, no, no. You're not really alone. Glad you said that. In the retrospective, they the, the person says exactly that. They're like, uh, kind of feel like I'm watching, and I think it has to do a lot with uh, who got to you first. And that's the first thing uh, I did when I when I thought about that. I went I went to go in and 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 check out the release dates and the production dates just to make sure I had my dates right. And I remember, and I remember that, that Holy Grail came out first and that's oh, the yeah. first thing that came, that came to my mind. Like, are, are they doing this on purpose? Like, are we, are we <laughs> taking that movie and we're trying to make, and we're trying to jokerize it. <laughs> um, that, that's, that's what I got from that. Yes. Like, I, so I, like I, for me, yeah, like I, I, I like it to an extent I can appreciate it, but um, it just, for as long as the movie is, for it being almost a two and a half hour long movie with as much content as they as they put in it, it, mm-hmm. it felt like the like the dialogue was the dialogue was spotty. The delivery was also spotty. It felt like some of mm-hmm. these actors and in a lot of spots didn't know exactly how how they were supposed to like what tone they were supposed to take and how long they were supposed to take to get to those tones. They felt like they were just rushing from line to line to line to line to line in the script. I did. Do you have an example of the, like any memory of like a scene where that (sighs) happened? Like when, when, okay. When Arthur first pulls this, pulls the sword from the stone, he's talking to Merlin about Mm -hmm. it. That's a prime example. Mm -hmm. Okay. um, Okay. So here, Kay, I'll get this sword for you. I, I, I forgot your sword. He goes to pull Excalibur from the stone. Here, Kay, I lost your sword. I, I forgot to bring your sword. It was stolen. But here, you can use Excalibur. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the sword that we've been that we've been competing for. I, I pulled it. Here, you take it. Arthur's the king. Wait, put it back. Have someone else try. Mm-hmm. No, let Arthur do it. Let the boy try. He just pulled it. No, I'll no. I want to try it. Pull, pull, pull. Nothing. Let Arthur try again. He pulls the sword again. Arthur's the king. I don't want a boy king. Mm-hmm. Do you guys want a bastard as your king? No, I don't care. Arthur's the king. Mm-hmm. That's I get the you. exact I get you. delivery. That's the exact delivery. <laughs> that there's kind of a feeling of that, like you're in the bleachers watching uh, Renaissance Fair, right? It's just like it, there's there's no it it just it it just kind of droned a bit, but at the same time, everybody's basically yelling their lines too but, it, but there's no there's no break to, to allow for any of this to sink in i'm acting mm-hmm. no i'm acting too i'm acting more no i'm acting more than you plot 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 emote 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 <laughs> i think uh, what you're seeing is uh this is like one of the first times anyone's ever tried to do this and also a lot of the people in the cast and crew and shooting 
This is all, everybody's like first movie, even. I, I figured as much, I which, is why, which is why, which is why I can I can give that a pass to an extent. But that, that's that's yeah, the vibe I got. Yeah, I think maybe Keith, this is about what you're going to say, but I think we had a lot of theater actors. Uh, yes. Oh movie. yeah. This, well, this, Sir Patrick Stewart for, is there for like two seconds, for one. Uh, and I was like, "Oh, we're going to see more Mister Stewart." Oh, you're just only nope. there. <laughs> Oh, and nope. that actually brings up something that I did want to bring up. It, it mm-hmm. seems like they they it's like they have a toy chest of knights, and they get tired of them and put them down. And we never see them again. <laughs> yes, yes. I uh, to me, I uh, had a hard time keeping track of any knights at uh, all. Like there'd be times when they all got wiped out. I'm like, wait, who got wiped out? <laughs> yeah, uh, but but um, yeah. The, the, there's like a and like as I say, like how much I like the third act, which. Uh, I've never said that before, and that means I'm a true snooty reviewer now. Uh, thank you very Congratulations. much. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Feels good. Uh, but yeah, like the, the third act gets super dreamlike, and I love it. Like my mind gets lost in like what starts to happen. But now that I've seen it so many times, I, I can tell what's happening. Like, because like when they start saying, like, ah, oh, fuck, man, we got to get the grail, and no one's brought up the grail ever before them saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like for me, like I'm, Hey guys, I'm all in whatever you guys say, like, I'm, I'm going to like <laughs> retroactively just say that this is probably be a part of your world. I just didn't, I wasn't there for that conversation. Let's go. Let's and go. I think that's, that's, and, that's something as something, another issue that I had with it. Like, it's, like when we got to the grail part of, part of the, of everything, mm-hmm. they, they just, they just kind of dropped it in there. Like Arthur says, go mm-hmm. find the grail. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Why? Ooh, Where did this come grail? from? What can the Grail do to help? Fix, wait, what? Where? If you could just add one more line, one more line of exposition at some point before you send your knights out, that would help me understand why I should care about this. I'd be okay. But right? I mean, I, but, I, I get the quest. The quest mm-hmm. is cool, fun. All right, go do your thing. But just how do we get here? Well, well um, the interesting mm-hmm. thing. Well, that that, that kind of reminded me of is um, about like just sort of it, to me. It felt like um, you know how like in Spider Man in the MCU Spider Man, nobody talks about Uncle Ben. the uh, The idea is that like everyone's so familiar with the story, we don't need an Uncle Ben origin story. M- my assumption mm-hmm. with like the Excalibur, I, I mean, it definitely comes across as clunky. Is that like everyone knows the King Arthur legend so much that we don't need to tell you where the Grail is or where it came from. From. It's just so ingrained mm-hmm. in the story. We're, we're doing everything of King Arthur. We're doing once and future king. This is this is the, the definitive abridged version of the King Arthur saga. <laughs> uh, so from uh, for me, like the imperfections are part of the perfection. Uh, <laughs> so like um, as a kid, I'm like, what the hell? Why are you guys leaving me behind? What's happening? I can't tell. But now I'm like embracing the dreamlike structure of how things become like when things happen in a dream you flow with it and if i let just myself flow with the story it's beautiful it's like going down a river and um then also then then you're supposed to then not now that i've experienced some life uh now i can see the metaphors that's just trying to teach on screen which is probably what like they're teaching the arthurian legend which is like at some point in time you will take your big l okay shit's gonna go wrong and unfortunately, as you roll through life, you will lose your friends. Like, people will start to die around you. It's really sad, but it's really important to always, like, remember why you clinch your fist. There you go. Uh, a little My Hero Academia. <laughs> like, you go, on your, you, go, you, go, you go on your quest, and you, 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 you go through some trials. And, like, it's always important to 
retrain your mind and your heart as to why you love what you do. Uh, and that's like what the search of the grail is. And always keep, like always keep a personal around because mm, the, yes. the Lancelots will uh, fuck you over, but the principal's the, the guy <laughs> and your girl the in the process. <laughs> Lancelot will take your girl. It's going to happen. I, I, we, we all love them. It's, it's, it's coming. Like, the Lancelot was the OG Mr. Steal your girl. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he tried so hard not to. <laughs> Yeah, he, he put a little bit of effort in. Yeah, he, I'm going to stay in this dirt out out the castle. I'm good, guys. I'm go. Oh, she came to me. All right, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. So I had, I had read some stuff about. Um, so how did they do the the scene where he got stabbed? I have That's not a found very out good question. Yeah, that, I, I did love that. That did look feel like really brutal. Yes, mm-hmm. all the way from like childhood to now. I've looked. I I look hard at that scene. I'm like, okay. At what point does wow? How do you fucking do that? Yeah, it's really impressive. That's that's a really really well done scene, and it's like, visceral. I I feel like someone someone said that they just perfectly timed it so that like there's like a press you know, like a fake uh, sword sword tip on his back, and then okay. like he's on like a floor with a hole in it, so that uh, he does lean back onto the floor where someone can yank it out of him. And he pulls out the sword, which then elongates because it's like a retractable. Nice. Although, like when you look at the sword, like man, they forge that good so you can't see the seam of where it retracts. It, mm-hmm. Yeah. So so far, I've not seen any officially say this is how they did it. Nice. It's seamless. It's mm-hmm. really, it's really, mm-hmm. really seamless. Um, also, a, a Lancelot thing. I didn't know that he was French. Uh, in the in the story itself, or the actor. No, in the story itself, because he says that he's from across the sea, and I looked it oh. up, and then a lot of things say, "Yeah, Lancelot's French." Huh? I didn't know that either. Did not know. Yeah, because I mean, he says that he had lands and he forsook them all when he crossed the sea. Oh, right, right. So let's see. There's something uh, when it comes to Lancelot and a lot of like what's in this movie. I uh, love hate the shitty weapons they use. Yeah. Huh? Because uh, like for me, like I'm pretty. I, if you're doing knight stuff, uh, they better be wielding some lances or swords, and that's that's what I'm here for. But like Lancelot has like a, like a pike, like a little stick. Oh a, yeah, with a point on it. And like, what the fuck is that? And then like Arthur's fighting with a club, and he's got ugly armor on. I I I hate that they twisted the look like that, but it's so um such a rich visual now that I love it um, versus like any, I man, like I have not really seen any other good um, King Arthur movies. <laughs> there is a dearth, like, but what about the, the weird actual King Arthur from like 2005? <laughs> uh, uh, was it first night? Uh, I think it was the one by uh, Guy Ritchie. They have Kieran Knightley. Yeah, yeah, oh, Kira Knightley. the one with Clive no. Owen and Kieran Knightley. Yeah, I actually enjoyed that one a lot. To be perfectly honest, I feel like I don't know if I. Oh, I saw because I, they I, made. I, I saw it. it was they sorry. made Guinevere a druid. Oh, all right. Um, and then Guy Ritchie's. I did like that a lot. I had a lot of fun with them because they they went full modern uh, fantasy on that with like monsters and demons and <laughs> shit and like that's what I want, but. <laughs> I know that's not good King Arthur. I just like 
the crazy that I saw on screen. The, the Clive Owen one from 2005, I think that's actually my favorite one just because of how they portrayed Lancelot. They made him look mm-hmm. like a badass in that movie. And he had, he had my favorite work. weapon set out of any Lancelot fighting with those double swords. And he used it right. very well. <laughs> I don't have to look. What, do you, does anyone remember what movie that was? What the name of it was? I, I think it's just, oh, it no. was just called King Arthur. And let's stop. And okay. oh, wow. I didn't even know about this movie. Yep. It is, it, uh, the blurring effect of media has is uh, <laughs> uh, so hard. Where like, yeah, I remember like, um, like, yeah, like back, back in the 80s. Like one of the reasons why. You could fall in love with a movie like this is because you ain't got shit else to watch. <laughs> yep. Like, like it, it, it hits you like a, like a, a like a spear because like there's nothing else to hit your mind at that moment. It mm-hmm. can take all of your heart and mind, and then you have nothing else to dig into. So you dig into just this, and, and you got the, about it. and it's got the sex and the violence. I mean, obviously yep. not like modern sex and violence, but you know, there's pretty a lot of erotic scenes. You know, yeah, you know, if you're a kid, you're not supposed to be looking at that. So. <laughs> you know what also kind of remind me of? Anyone here mourning the loss of Kentaro Muera for Berserk? Yes. Yes. Uh, oh, yes. I should, God, that hit me. That was just so tragic. It was like, ah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, did, I didn't know he was sick. Um, no one knew. And I just wanted to, We needed to see the end of that thing. Yeah. And it's not going to happen. The worst part is like there are interviews where he said he was like four fifths done and he was like preparing the final confrontation. And I was just thinking, is Griffith the ultimate Lancelot? Mm. Oh, because oh, shit. <laughs> he slept with Casca. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he did sleep with. Well, well, a little bit more than sleep, but um, I mean, yeah, it wasn't. He didn't do anything right by Casca's person. Uh, uh, he, he did have this fantasy about like, well, Griffith is an incredibly selfish and interesting character because you know Casca loved him, but um. She, you know, he didn't appreciate her until Guts had won her affection, and then he desired mm-hmm. her just to, like, spite Guts, because as far mm-hmm. as he was concerned, the fact that Guts didn't uh, need him or could live a life without him made him have such an emotional crisis that anyone would leave him behind that he ruins his entire thing. And uh, I don't know if I, I'd say Lancelot piece. had it, but I, I guess, like, I think that's what it reminds me of. Less him with Casca and him with uh, Princess Charlotte, where he... In this, Griffiths is Arthur and guts is Lancelot. <laughs> and you think so? I think that's got yes. Yeah, that, that, that dynamic is there because, like, a, a lot of these like feels like uh, a lot of the like you know the Forzetta paintings feel like great splash pages from Berserk. And it wouldn't surprise me if like Kentaro Muera was like inspired by this in his like you know to create the strongest fantasy comic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, uh, uh, a quick fun fact that was going on in the movie with the actors who played Merlin and Morgana. Uh, apparently, they had done a, a play called Macbeth together, and uh, they they had a massive falling out. Like uh, how like you know they just I'm not sure what happened, but they're trying to act together, and like they're like no fuck this person, no fuck this person, and they never spoke again until this movie. And then, oh like, uh, the, like the, the director's like, yeah, I need both of you guys. And they're both like, no, man, I, I don't even want to look at her. And they're like, wait, both of you guys, use that, please. Like, <laughs> this is, this is going to be it. Like, and then like, they're like, oh, shit. 
That was a good idea. <laughs> and they make it then, and through that, they became friends again. Oh, that's, oh, that's an interesting yep. story. Well, it's Helen Mira, you know, the great um, uh, respected mm-hmm. actress of Helen Mira. Dame. So the, it is like a uh, great uh, cavalcade of talent in terms of like how many people uh, are it, were introduced in Excalibur and went on to have like uh, really rich acting careers. Yep. Mm. Uh, Hel- Dame Helen Mirren uh, is supposed to be quite the legendary freak in yes. uh, the acting circles. Yes. I can't remember who said it. Uh, but they 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 they, they all kind of seem to come up together as actors uh, being young and like um, at plays like she would find any excuse she could to be naked and like you could see how like her inherent sexuality plays into Morgana and she just does it fantastically. Well, well she, yeah, Helen Mirren has gone on record for, for, for being a, a self-proclaimed nature for, for years. Like this cool. is, this is on the record. She's done interviews and, and has been openly proud of that. I will say that I'm not openly proud that I don't know much. I feel like I don't know much about her. Um, except for like, so like when I posted up, like she was with, uh, and also like her and, uh, Liam Neeson, they get they got close together on this movie and, and lived together for a while. But I was like, oh my god, it's Liam Neeson. And people were like, oh my god, it's also Helen Mirren. I'm like, I know that name, but I don't know why it's as important as it is. Uh, she's in, hmm. let's see, uh, Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw. She was in the Red um, movies. Oh. Yeah, she's in the Red movies. Um, i trying to think of like what's her definitive role, because I know she won an Oscar. Uh, oh, damn, okay. Was uh, it the Queen? That might have been it. Uh, she's also a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. The yes. Queen, yeah, the, the Queen is probably what she went, got the Oscar for. Um, she's just been in a shit ton of stuff throughout her career. Uh, all right. All right. I, loved, I loved her as Morgana. Like, <laughs> she she swept me away. She's gorgeous. Uh, she's just, she chews the fuck out of the, screen, see, the scene. And uh, I, I also like how, like, uh, there's some stuff that, like, I still don't totally get. Um, like, how she turned... Uh, Merlin's spell on him and how that all works. Yeah, there's um, not really much uh, explanation about the, how the magic system works, but I guess it was like no. you were happy to have magic versus um, <laughs> back in the day. You know, versus now, where it's like, yeah, I have to have a rule set where you use the X mana, and this is the, the thing. We, we, we demand things from our magic systems. You can't just willy nilly, it's here. Yep. Yeah. For this, like, I, I did the whole thing where. This is beyond me. So I'm just witnessing, you know, from as an outsider, they know more of what's going on. So I accepted the weirdness. And I did yeah, like the uh, where like Merlin says that like I'm this older druidic polytheistic thing, and the the Christ and the new one true God is taking over. So it's it's time for me to fade off to the gray heavens mm-hmm. before Morgana mm. puts him in ice. Yeah. <laughs> um, on this movie. Uh, I once again like the thing that we I love about it is um I, and also something I've been noticing uh throughout time so like uh, there's one time where like I got Cody or there's like these like uh, streaming things you can find and you put them on your like streaming device and it allows you to see every fucking movie that's like pirated up online and like um you can like browse by the year so what you start noticing is how much. Uh, entertainment seems to notice itself every huh. year that goes by. So, like when I watch Excalibur, I feel like the same way I feel like when I'm reading like a, a book that's all into it. Like I, I don't see the 
the focus testing. I don't see anything about Hollywood on this movie. I'm lost in like the dream of the world. Um, but like every year, like you go further, each movie you can smell and look and see more of the business of Hollywood and these actors caring about themselves as people versus losing themselves in a character. So that's just something I noticed while I was watching. I was like, man, this, 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 I'm lost in these, this world. I, I don't see the actors anymore versus now, like too much. I see the actors over the movie. If anyone else has seen this or noticed. I think that we went through a long period uh, especially like 80s, 90s, early aughts, where you had these huge stars that would just drive a movie by their charisma alone. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, that's not the character they're playing per se, it's the actor, right? You had these huge actors. Yeah, you're going to see a Will <laughs> Smith movie. It's interesting how are, that star system is kind of dead now, where there aren't many you know, people. Exactly. It's like the Will Smith movie. Did you ever see that interview with Anthony Mackie where he says, nobody comes for the Anthony yep. Mackie movie, it's the Falcon. That's just how it is yep. now. Yep. Yeah, the that's internet. exactly, yeah, that, that's exactly that. yeah, what I was saying. Yeah, like the internet has come along and destroyed uh, the uh, pageantry or majesty or the what's the word royalty <laughs> the royal- of being an yeah. actor. But I think because of that, Keith, we might be heading back to what you were talking mm-hmm. about. In like, we're not as concerned with the actor as we are with the role. Like, it's like yeah, we all know that Robert Downey Jr. Jr. is Iron Man, but it's Iron Man. I, I do you know? see that happening because. Uh, like uh, every couple every couple of years, uh, technology gets just just starts doing these giant leaps, so that like any person now has it's getting closer and closer. Like exponentially, more people have access to make a movie than ever in history. Absolutely, and like and like the the special effects are getting better, so that like there, if you look deeply enough on um, YouTube, you'll see some like like uh, fan made Star Wars movies that like are amazing like there's like this italian one that like takes place on like a dead starship with like sith monsters and so yeah what i think is going to happen is um again we're not too far away from getting back to people genuinely giving a shit and creating something that draws people to it versus like caring about how much marketing has purchased your attention there you go yeah, maybe. Like, dang. For, for better or for worse, I think we're at least heading in that direction. Um, but going, I guess talking about like a slightly different thing, mm-hmm. man, I think I really enjoyed the guy that played Merlin, and he had some great quotes oh, yeah. in this. Like, one of one of them was he was addressing all the sex and stuff, and he's just like, ah, none of those hair pulling and jumping about. <laughs> <laughs> Like hair pulling and jumping about, like oh my god! It's like is yeah. I I forget his quote, but he's like you know, you guys. There's more life than doing the okay. There, you guys can do the sex stuff. All right, 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 fine. Go ahead, destroy. Go ahead, destroy your your kingdom again, just like your dad did. Uh, Yeah, he was (laughs) he was fun. But yeah, Yeah, I I will say that um, I I I I I burned through my notes because. I fall into this movie and unlike a lot of movies where 
Uh, now I, I can see lots of seams and problems or like, you know, it's a Hollywood movie. So I'm not as, you know, engaged this, like once like Percival starts, you know, wandering the lands and, and seeking strange places and watching his friends die. Like I just faded away into the movie and it was just like rolling through it and just like, yeah, freaking love this movie. Uh, All right. Well, um, just, just, do we want to? Yeah, please. Uh, oh well, I guess moving on to. I guess you're trying to lead towards wrapping up, right? Um, no, nah, if you, uh, I'm as I'm, uh, I'm happy as going as long as you want to. I know you have something to do. Oh, um, and I want to hear as many thoughts as I can from you guys. But like, I've burned through my my notes. I have I have a few notes, but it's, it sounds like Isaac's got something here. So I was just kind of uh, just thinking on the fantasy spectrum. I guess you could say three big benchmarks is you could say Excalibur. Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones. On that spectrum, what do you guys personally prefer the most? <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Oh, woof. <laughs> I liked Lord of the Rings before season eight of Game of Thrones. Ah. Wait. Yeah, no, 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 no. Hold on. Other way around. Um, I thought the world building in, in Game of Thrones was just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It was really, but then after like taking them as a whole, a package as a whole, once season eight came out, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> but before that, you we have taken Game of Thrones over Lord of the Rings. It was a, it was a it's a tight it's a tight race. All right, cool. It was a tight race because there's so much content Agreed. and and the world building and and just the acting and everything about it was just so superb. But season eight was so rushed, and it just didn't feel like the same show anymore. I'm not saying it was necessarily terrible. I don't want to go off into that tangent. But, yeah, overall, like, for me, impact on me, mm-hmm. overall, Lord of the Rings. Mm. Uh, so then for me, um, Excalibur was, like, the appetizer of, like, please, somebody care about fantasy like this? Anybody? Oh, my God. Yeah, it's just so rare. And then, like, it got goofy into the Hercules era. And then, like, yeah, Lord of the Rings. Um, it, I hear, uh, I think it was Patrick Willems, he brought up how... So, Lord of the Rings is the top of the mountain when it comes to, like, making a fictional trilogy, and this is how you do it. Like, you start, you evolve, you finish. Hell yeah. But, like, uh, as I've been, like, looking across, like, the, like uh, the creative landscape, like, nothing has been able to be done like that except for the MCU. Because, like, uh, when it came to Star Wars, um, George Lucas has this style of, like, actually just shooting random, lots of stuff. Lots of, lots of stuff. Like, he isn't doing a story. Like, he's not saying, I I need this to get to this, to this, this, and this. He gets a whole bunch of stuff and then creates the story in the edit. Um, Mm. So, we got, like, the first trilogy by luck. But then when you come to Lord of the Rings, like... They had a full trilogy to do, and they really did it. Like, they had the story, and they did it, versus figuring it out while on set. (laughs) And there's almost no movies that, like, there's no, there's a few epics that do that. Besides, like, uh, Kevin Feige, you know, he was was able to kind of remold epics that already existed, and he understood the evolution, but other people... They're trying to figure out as it happens. And yeah, Lord of the Rings kind of changed that. And then Game of Thrones went further with that by having a full story, but not having all of it. And therefore they fucked it up at the end. <laughs> so I don't know. But for me, yeah, top of the mountain is Lord of the Rings. Because it feels like the more I think about it, like Lord of the Rings, 
if the Excalibur was the messy birth, the trying to, <laughs> to like you know get the Arthur story, we're gonna make a lot of compromises, we're gonna make a lot of cuts, but we're we're gonna get it. We're gonna get all the mm-hmm. sex and the violence. Uh, we're not gonna quite do it perfectly. While Lord of the Rings feels like you know the twenty years later footnotes, and in terms of like picking up the jank and removing it. And, yep. uh, you know, it's got the sincerity, it's got the heart, uh, but a- another reason why it really works is that, like, Peter Jackson loves all the dark stuff. He loves the orcs, he loves all the monsters, and because he, like, the, the love of the monsters is so good, uh, it-, it makes the heroic elements that much better, you know, on the light side, in terms of, like, this is what they have to face against, this is the stake of their doom. And uh, it was just sort of seemed to crack the code in terms of, like, uh, this is how we can make fantasy that's, like, not quite necessarily, like, Oscar-worthy performances, although, you know, there are some Oscar-worthy things in The Lord of the Rings, but something that's, like, palatable to a mainstream audience while giving you all the cool stuff that fantasy nerds love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, I forget, I said, uh, Tony still has the answer, but I wanted to say this because I keep thinking I'm forgetting, but did I say this out loud that when he was making Excalibur... He started off making Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I th- what? I, I think Did I, I say that. I, I don't know. I don't no. know if you mentioned that now. But okay. It, yeah, yeah. Um, the guy leading up to making Excalibur, the guy was working on making Lord of the Rings, and like, oh yeah, like he's like working hard, and like he's like, and I nailed it. And then he kept on bringing it to studios, and they're like, that's too much money, man. I'm not gonna make that. And then uh, Tolkien was like, no, no, please. This is how I want it done because I don't want it to be animated. Please, God, please. And then eventually it just fell through because it was too expensive, and Tolkien got the nightmare of an animated version before he died. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, but what, oh, I was going to say is like, what's kind of cool is uh, what also keeps happening in awesome creativity, which is like uh, George Lucas couldn't get Flash Gordon, so we got Star Wars. Um, mm. This guy couldn't get Lord of the Rings, so we got Excalibur. And King Arthur. Uh, yeah. King Arthur, and then uh, um, um, uh, they couldn't get James Bond, so they created Indiana Jones. Whoa. Yep. And then, like, also, James Gunn says that, like, he doesn't want to make Star Wars. He wants to make something that someone who saw Star Wars would make. And that's how we get Guardians uh-huh. Galaxy. Yeah, and that's why that's, like, the closest thing uh, we got to a real Star Wars. Yep. yep. <laughs> because he gets, <laughs> because he genuinely gets a shit. <laughs> yeah like yeah like um uh, yeah I, I i would love to talk about that because um he got the genuine heart of star wars where like if you listen to the commentary of guardians of galaxy 2 like he knows the names of every ship like and that's kind of what was, what was important in star wars like different ships and they have a name and they are an important place and in new Star Wars, nope, it's just a million falcon, a million falcon every day. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right, <laughs> every, every, every day. <laughs> like Star Wars, that, day. the Star Wars has a million falcon. Like, okay, well, 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 well hold on. What about these other ships? <laughs> yeah, they're on the screen. The Wing. You put them on the screen. Wait, I've got, okay. And you exploded it. Oh, do you, do you guys get it? I'm like, we don't know what you're talking about. We made a lot of money though. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. It is funny how like uh, Game of Thrones managed to like. There's like great stuff in Game of Thrones, but that eighth season, how bad a, a bad ending can just like completely tarnish something's legacy. Yeah, you got to stick the landing. Uh, and I, I, I have like theories about like that they shit the bed on purpose. 
just so they didn't have to just so they didn't have to make it anymore because it it seems like all they've done is cut their hands off they lost their star wars trilogy yeah they were like the talk of the town everyone loved you know db you know du bois and uh yeah but then after that yeah the the fifth season it feels like they're they're in creator exile they are but them (laughs) them and ryan johnson are taking on my uh chinese favorite sci-fi series of all time Oh, the, uh, it's uh, one three body three, problem. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, and thankfully, um, uh, over in China, they they've been making this animated series that a lot of people don't know about. That's astounding. Um, so I don't care what they do and if they fuck it up. But uh, for um, Game of Thrones, my my theory I just want to throw out there is that I was watching it while it happened, and like um, as it was growing big, and like I feel like I saw every so often, and I was like, hmm. It seems a lot like they're giving a lot of credit to these people, not George R. R. Martin. I bet, and I it, 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 all this came to pass, and I said this way before it happened. I bet that, uh, oh, shoot, what did I say? Anyway, it, it, it did come about where like George R. R. Martin suddenly isn't making more books at all, and now if they're so good, <laughs> let them do it, and that's what I saw happen. And then also, um, I think they got sick of people. Um, <laughs> Because, like, Game of Thrones, I'm sorry, but we liked it when it was nasty, rapey, and evil, and murdery, and people got it that didn't have it coming, and it was just a dirty, ugly, horrible place. And that's what people were tuning in for. But then, like, the more they did that, then they kept doing it, because that's what the show was. All of a sudden, you start getting these think pieces of how sexist, evil, and misogynistic they are. And, like... The last straw was like Jamie having sex with Cersei next to Joffrey's body. Yeah, and then All like right. it, there are these blogs just exploded with like how much she didn't consent to that, and and this, that's evil. And like yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not watching fucked up evil that's, people. I'm not watching Game Look, of Thrones I mean, anymore. <laughs> Those people, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep, yep. Well, and the, yeah, the thing is though mm-hmm. is that like. We have to be able to uh, maybe draw that line. When those things happen, nobody's saying they're good. Yep, exactly. Those, those are bad things that are happening, and bad things happen. These are evil people. They do terrible things. That's kind of the they point. Terrible things. We're supposed to enjoy mm. how much we hate them, but like, yeah. the more that happened, all of a sudden, like Arya's starting to become bionic, and uh, the, the, it's just half-ass like what you expect to happen. No yeah. more surprises. I mean, just like I don't know if I can just like pivot really quickly. Mm-hmm. Like I think I don't know. I think I've told you guys I do these like shot for shot things where we do read throughs of movies, mm-hmm. and I I very specifically if I'm playing like a quote unquote good guy or good person and they do something that is now considered bad, I will adjust that um, in the moment. Be like, okay, well this is this this person's supposed to be good, mm-hmm. and they're doing something. This is maybe a movie from the '80s, and now and they're doing something that's bad. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to adjust it or comment on it. But if I'm playing a bad guy. Oh, okay. They're gonna do the bad thing because, because they're bad. Thank you. Yeah, people don't get that anymore. I think because, uh, like, like, I, like I was saying with um, the Lex Luthor in uh, Snyderverse, people fucking hated him because he's an asshole. And yeah, you're not supposed to like the bad guy because they're fucking assholes. <laughs> and That's the point makes makes beating them fun. Yeah, yeah. And I think people stopped getting that and like, um, like. Joss Whedon, even like uh, he, and, and, and another thing with creativity that I've been starting to notice, like with like uh, the stuff that lasted was created from a a creator, a visionary, uh, some a writer, and like 
know, they, they made the world of Star Trek and Star Wars. But then people don't see them. They see the actors. And then the actors start rising in power. And that's when the stories start getting messed up because it starts being more about the actor than the world in writing. And uh, that's what I saw happen in Game of Thrones, where it stopped being about the characters. But, like, we do like uh, the actress who plays um, Arya. So now she's the biggest hero on the show versus how the world works, where Arya, she should have had a... That when she joined that Assassin's Guild, that should have been like the end of her joy, happiness, and life. Like, you're a killer now, and it eats away inside of you as well. It's what we should have seen, but now she's a superhero. Yeah, or, or they're like, I'm sure in the book, George R. R. Martin's probably coming up with some sort of consequences. You shouldn't be able to leave that guild with all the superpowers without losing something great. That was like the they said yeah. over and over in that, that they're like, hey, just so you know, you step into this, you, you don't get to step out. And then she's like, I just did whatever I wanted, and now I'm leaving. They're like, thumbs up. <laughs> uh, okay. Here's, Enjoy, kiddo. Here's a mask starter pack to get you started. <laughs> starter pack. She goes to Walgreens for more. Although oh, she man. stopped using that power right away. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. When we stop, when it stops being about the writer, and my, oh, the thing with Joss Whedon was like, um, there was like a, like a thing where, um, the actor who played Spike uh, mentioned how Joss Whedon was like, I will freaking end you anytime I want to. And like the actor, uh, the way he, and then I listened to his interview, he understood. Cause like, he was like, okay, yeah. Cause Joss Whedon is the writer. I have a role because he created it. And he went on to say how Joss Whedon was like, yeah, I don't want people to like Spike. Cause he's a bad guy. You're not supposed to like that guy. But, Money and marketing said, no, people do like this actor. So now we get these weird stories of, like, good guy Spike. And it gets kind of weird. And they just forgot, we already have a good guy Spike. His name is Angel. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. But that's why, like, things got really weird. Like, you start Mommy, can we have more Angel? Or we have Angel at home. Oof. (laughs) But that's why Spike got so weird. Like, Joss Whedon didn't want to do it, but money made it happen. Speaking of uh, terrible uh, fantasy choices, uh, mm-hmm. I, I have a you know Sophie's choice for you that I asked a few friends of mine. Uh, if you could choose one, uh, George R. R. Martin or Kentaro Muera, to live and finish their work, or, or you know who would you want to see uh, live and finish their work? Good question. I was going to say I was going to say, haha, Kentaro, no doubt, but. Um, I haven't read the books, but the lore he set up, George R. R. Martin, sounds incredible. But I also hear that, like, when you look at the lore and you hear people talk about it, he's also setting up a fuck ton of shit that no human can actually nail. Uh, which is what Zack Snyder ended up doing. So that's why we're having a hard time seeing him finish it because he's like set up these gigantic mysteries and 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 tangles and whatnot. So, but Kintaro, I've seen him work, and he could have finished it. He knows how to finish it, which has been like a thing that uh, uh, accented me. Accented cinema, um, another YouTuber, he's been pointing out lately that like America, you're fucking up. You're you're making shit. Um, <laughs> that Star Wars thing was trash, and but he says that 
but um, Korea and China, they also went through these periods where, like, after a while, like, a, a culture just, you know, gets maybe too uh, comfortable and, like, you know, whatever just makes money. And then after a time, it takes it takes some time to create people who can really build and finish, like Kentaro did. And George R. R. Martin was kind of doing, but I don't think he could finish it. So, no, I, I don't think so either. That's the sad part. He's had like 11 years. He's found time to write like the history of the Targaryen kings, but not finish it. And like, you, you know, the, the blunt reality is that the fourth and fifth books of uh, Game of Thrones are just kind of okay. They're not great. Oh, dude. <laughs> Bummer. Uh, I mean, they're not terrible, but like they're not as good as a storm of swords. I mean, they did a decent job adapting them, but you could see like the weaknesses go when they had material that wasn't quite a plus or is engaging. And he just keeps on creating. He just keeps on making things more and more difficult for himself by introducing more plot threads and more. And it feels like he's terrified. He wants to give like you another red wedding or two, but Mm -hmm. uh, he just can't come up with the mechanism to surprise because, you know, now that we've been set up to be surprised like minor spoilers but like there's this character very minor character side character who goes on a journey throughout all of book five to find Daenerys he's like a prince mm-hmm. of Dorne he's gonna offer her uh marriage and he's gonna align with Dorne he's gonna help her get to Westeros and she rejects him uh and then he gets burnt by a dragon and, and then oh, it's dude. just sort of like okay so th- this was all pointless all this all this story thread time we spent with this guy and y- I guess he subverted us kind of but one <laughs> we were kind of expecting something bad to happen uh because he tried to ride a dragon but couldn't and uh uh, to you know, it, it's not the same as a, a red wedding. Um, I'm that. Uh, uh, so three body problem. Uh, or no, no, I won't start with that. East versus west. Um, west seems not be to be able to uh, finish things. Like they they set up these gigantic fucking ideas, such as like uh, Isaac Asimov's Foundation series, which will blow your mind. It's amazing. It's one of the greatest things ever done. Uh, then there's Frank Herbert and Dune. Like, he's starting to set up this huge, huge, huge... And they, they keep passing away before they can finish it because they keep aiming so incredibly high that, like, they don't have the minds to nail it. But in Japan, like, I have full faith the guy doing One Piece, he will finish this. And then, like, uh, the Fist of the North Star TV series, astounding. I can't say enough good about that. These the, 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 over there, they seem to be able to start. Oh, okay, so I guess in the example that I've seen, I'm positive that there's probably things that didn't nail it over there. But yeah, like and also once again, three body problem sets off. Uh, it, it is a response to the foundation and Dune done in the West. But by his third book, man, he freaking dunks, breaks the backboard, and blows off that side of the planet. He he dunked it so hard in the last book. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think there's a, a thing that we need to start learning here in the West of like uh, continue to keep giving a genuine shit and care about the ending versus <laughs> like making some great idea that gets everybody there and makes lots of money and then like I don't know what training it takes to be able to finish it, but 
you know, I think we need to learn it here in the West a little harder. Stop the, uh, you know, to bring another Game of Thrones quote from the Black Watch guys who, like, start takeover crafters things. Fuck them till they're dead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is uh, what we do to the West. Um, Yeah, frequently it's not about the ending. It's just like, how long can you make it? Yes. Before it stops making money. Yep. Whereas, as opposed to just crafting a story with a beginning, a middle, and an end. Exactly. How how do we keep this? Keep the volleyball in the air. Yep. Just keep it in the air, and then and then you keep making it until it gets bad, mm-hmm. and then you get canceled. But you've made the maximum amount of money as you can. About it. Where but, um, Japan seems to be like, we want to bring people and keep people, but I have an ending in mind. And that's and I think that's also like what keeps people because for me, like there the the volleyball aspect of shows. Lately has been like you know putting me off of them until they're finished because I'm like look I don't want to see how long you keep this in the air like if you have a point I will start I'll tune in but if you don't I don't want to be you know watching you figure it out <laughs> you gotta have a point yeah <laughs> just like kind of God it reminds me of like um you ever watch the show hear the show called Falling Skies um I've heard of it yes. Uh, it was terrible. Uh, it was like the Steven Spielberg produced show on TNT about an alien invasion. It was kind of like after The Walking Dead kind of like became a huge hit and it was sort of like, we need to make our version of The Walking Dead. <laughs> I remember. This is, this is their version of V. Yeah, yeah. Although I think V, even the like the terrible remake, was probably better than um, what Falling Skies became. Because every season they would retool things and have some new sci-fi cliche. Like I think the worst one is like, oh, uh, what you call it? The main guy, uh, his girlfriend gets pregnant, so now he's gonna have a fourth child. But she's a girl and she's aging super fast because she's an alien baby. And then she gets oh. psychic powers and she's just oh. like <laughs> that old chestnut. Because that is like actual chestnut, not like the cliche that you did something new. But anyway, yeah, that doesn't sound good. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Falling Skies is definitely one of those. Because I started that and I was like, no. No, you, you, didn't miss, you didn't miss much. I'm sure someday someone, some YouTuber like Jenny Nicholson will make like a really good three-hour retrospective about uh, Falling Skies and just talking about how the, the show lost showrunners every season and how the focus of it always kept on changing again and again. But uh, until then, I think it remains as a huge, wonder, weird anomaly and a great example of showing like, uh, you know, not having a plan in mind and then constantly refiguring the show every... Mm. Every couple episodes. Yeah. Wolf. Right. Let's see what the fans think. Let's do what they say. <laughs> let's, oh let's give them what they want, which is usually sometimes not the best thing to do is just give the fans what they want. Exactly. Exa- that's so true. Yeah. Like the sometimes like the worst curse possible is a wish granted. Mm-hmm. I love Mordred for the record. I love that armor. I that, love- that, that armor is badass. Holy hell. Like, uh, so I have a weird thing with Mordred. Like, uh, as a kid, I loved uh, daydream fighting bad guys that I saw in movies. And to this day, I have a weird glitch in my brain where, like, if I fight Mordred, I die. Like, he, that spear, like, I, I can't get over that spear and how much he just thrust that right through Arthur. And Arthur didn't try to defend or anything, but, like, like the strength I saw behind it, the length, and wielding a sword, like, man, what are you going to do? Like slap at the spear stop stop ah 
But yeah. <laughs> Ineffectually. Yeah. Um, Wardrobe was a badass uh, from childhood to adulthood, and I love watching him go. I would not mind seeing like someone take that armor and re- like reuse that design for something. It was like a cool design. Um, I didn't think we skipped over people with the question of Tony. Did you answer um, the Spectrum, Excalibur, Lord of Rings? Game not Pro? yet. Um, I think you were going to get back to me, but you had a Please. couple more points you wanted to make. Please, Tony. Um, honestly, overall, I probably choose Lord of the Rings just because I love that setting or that, that that type of tone. But as far as as far as 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 setting the landscape of the story, I think Game of Thrones did it best. And the reason I say that is because it changed the focus, which I think is how they could get away with a, with, a, with a lot of things that they got away with in both the books and in the TV show. Mm-hmm. The focus wasn't on one or two main characters. It was on the climate. It was on the environment, the kingdom, the world as a whole. The focus was was the 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 competition, the the fight for the Iron Throne, and everybody who was involved in it. It didn't focus on any one or two or three people. It was how everybody were, was involved in this conflict, and as such, you could get away with offering maybe one offing this guy here, killing this this person there, because mm-hmm. they had no set stake in the story that dictated, at least at, at the beginning, that they could stick around for a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. But as the show went on, and I, I don't know whether or not this is something that that, that RR is, is looking to continue with, uh, looking to continue in this fashion with in, in, his, in his last two books... You had a focus being more on Jon Snow. You had a focus being more on the surviving Starks, which is why Arya became a superhero. And when you do that, they get plot armor, which doesn't work for the setting. Plot armor, yep. Yep. Where it, 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 where it, you can't kill them because they're already too rooted into the story to get rid of. So if you get rid of them, then it becomes a problem. And it was never like that in the in the beginning in the beginning parts of that of that story of that that plot for the for the for the for the, the story for the franchise. Right, and that's what made the stakes so high. You never knew who was going to suddenly go. Exactly. So yeah, as far as as far as the as far as the plot setting, I have to go with Game of Thrones. But as far as character like character wise, I go with Lord of the Rings. Cool. Nice. Well, I think I think we have forgotten one very important entry into the fantasy uh, movie slash uh, series. Sword and the Sorcerer. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, no, Keith. Oh. Even bigger and better. The two thousand Dungeons and Dragons. Movie. Oh, <laughs> how dare! <laughs> oh my God, my you guys like uh, the my my grand embarrassment. Um, <laughs> snails live. Damn! Like, let me. The, I'm gonna tell the story really quickly on like how embarrassing that movie was for oh, me. I it was. It. I love this. Brutal. Already. I have a story. So, uh, mine is um. So like, I I've always been watching movie news and whatnot, and like, I, I love this shit. So like, I saw like Lord of the Rings is being made, but also Dungeons and Dragons is being made. So like, I followed every bit of news. I, I went to like the guy's blog, Courtney Solomon. 
I am like I started like spamming my friends too much with like news about it, and they're like, "Keith, I don't care that much." And I'm like, guys, guys, it's gonna be it's Dungeon Dragons. It's gonna be huge. Like, it's a clean slate. Therefore, they can do beyond what Lord of the Rings could ever do. This movie's gonna be amazing, everyone. Let's check this. And then like we watched it, and like I I was in such shock that I tried to say it was good. And now my friends are like, Keith, oh, no. no, Keith, no. I was like, guys, I, I think it was good. And yeah, so that was like, yeah, one of the worst movies ever made that I was so excited about that I was yeah. hit so hard that I tried to pretend it was good for a long time <laughs> to the point of buying DVD and I listened to no. director commentary. And no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went all in. I know all, I know so much oh. about this movie. Uh, about like how like there's like a shot where like one person the the main character almost actually died because they're oh like gosh. um where they're going through the traps and stuff and like yeah. uh, there's like this one last boulder that falls that he dives away from and he's and he survives and then they're like they kept on doing it over and over again like twelve times and like it didn't look right so they're like uh-huh. do a count of one before you jump and they did and he and like he barely dodged and like if he didn't that would have been the end of him because they didn't have the the safety in place. But anyway, yeah. So, yeah, Dungeons & Dragons. Oh holy God. shit. What a yeah. momentous occasion. Uh, Max, if you're listening to this, <laughs> you're probably laughing your ass off because he was there for the entire thing. I remember when I saw Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship, and I, I was like, everything is different yep. now. We are now going to get good <laughs> fantasy movies from That's here what on I said out. Too. I thought the world changed. It's like this is this is it. We we've never had this before. Yep. Like they know how to do it now. They Hollywood has figured it out. <laughs> and so then Dungeons and Dragons comes up, and I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Like I'm I was fine with Lord of the Rings, but I love Me Dungeons too. and Dragons. This is going to be the best movie ever. All <gasps> like the same group of friends like drove into Madison, Wisconsin, from Platteville, Wisconsin, to watch it. That saw Fellowship of the Rings <laughs> together and was blown away. We all sit down. We're all excited. The title comes up. Everybody cheers, yep. and then it started. Oh. Oh my god! And immediately we were like, "This is garbage." I just hot garbage. I was fooling myself like Last Jedi fans. <clears throat> anyway, uh, yeah. I mean, I for me, there was there was so many scenes where I was like, "This is this is yet another <laughs> example of why this movie is so terrible." But we've seen it after scene. But when the dwarf showed up and he was like a normal size, <gasps> oh my guy, god! I was like, "What is ha- he's supposed to be? The four foot tall Max? This guy's is pretty much as tall as everybody else." What's oh, I, 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 what's funny is um, Hollywood uh, tricked me twice when it came to, "Hey Keith, we're going to cast a black dude, and it's going to be totally cool." Like we're not going to do any of the uh, cliche oh, no. stuff. Mar- that, you know, Marlon Wayans, right? Oh my God! Yes, yep. Jesus Christ! Did they go all in on the most horrific black guy uh, stereotypes you can imagine? And then on top of it, uh, they did a strange, too brutal killing of him that was uh, out of tone for the rest of the movie. And then I'm like, oh, God. Oh, actually, after it finally dawned on me, that was terrible. And I was like, ah, okay. Oh, my. Oh, my. Disney bought Star Wars? And they cast a black guy? Oh, everything's going to be fine. All right. All right, guys. And then, like, I'm like, hey, Star Wars. Oh, ah! They just went all in on black guy bad tropes. (laughs) And then, like, the last time was like, my nose is broken, blood's coming in my mouth. I'm like, Ryan Johnson will save us. (laughs) Guys, he's the best director I've ever seen. So, The Last Jedi, watch what they do with Finn! Just boom! 
boom, got you again, Keith. Like it was like the Charlie Brown football thing. Um, <laughs> oh, no. But yeah, yeah. So yes, that that was my my feelings on Dungeons and Dragons. Well, it's kind of interesting about how difficult it is because honestly, I, I don't think there's any fantasy film that's really uh, topped Lord of the Rings or been equal to it. Like even Peter Jackson couldn't manage it with The Hobbit, and yeah, you know, right? And uh, yeah. it, it just seems like we didn't quite get like more. Uh, we just got like YA fantasy films. We got also, like uh, you know Harry Potter and uh, you know Aragon and all these sort of like uh, YA fantasies. But oh, sorry, you were to say. I was gonna say like um, it doesn't seem like it should be hard because uh, like the, the, the some some about fantasy seems like it should be probably the easiest one to nail. But like uh, going through like the past like um, there's a good there's some good ones, but the the first Conan is really good. Like I I I, I my the, my uh, my past remo- uh, memories of it made it seem like it was just gonna be like eh, you know just as good as any other fantasy movie. But I went back to it and like man is it fantastic. And then like. They tried to do it again with Conan 2, and they couldn't. Like, it's interesting how difficult it is to recapture or evolve from initial magic. Yeah. So true. To, to recapture that same spark, because uh, yeah. it is really difficult. And, uh, it, it you know. It doesn't seem like it should be, though. It's funny how there's been, probably been better fantasy stuff on television than there has been in theaters. Yep. Yeah, for the most part. Absolutely. There's just something hard. There's just something hard about it. And I, I don't I don't have the movie making expertise to say exactly why that is. Um, uh, the digging I've done, uh, I think you even said this, Matt, is that uh, lots of, the more money you spend, the more moving parts there are. I did. I have said that yeah. before. That is a thing. Yeah, and then, and and that's true because once I'm sorry, but well, yeah, once you invest all that money, the more money you invest in something, the more hands you have in yeah. it. Yeah, and fantasy movies are by their very nature extremely expensive because of the the special effects required for the most part. And the costumes. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. And then there's also and yeah, it, and it, oh, sorry, and it's tough to nail the tone. It's really tough to nail the tone because you want to take it seriously, but not too seriously. And uh, and there's also a thing where like um, there's a combination of drawing back the bowstring and also like um, the first album. So the thing like where George Lucas or and Peter Jackson they've been pulling back the bowstring on trying to create something for so long that when it lets loose, like you see the explosive magic where like. I've been trying to make Lord of the Rings. I've been trying to make Flash Gordon slash Star Wars. And here it is. And like um, with Lord of the Rings, like they gave him a blank check to freaking rock. And with uh, George Lucas, he, he's been working his entire life to stay away from a system that can get in his way. Uh, and I think, yeah, through that, like the less hands you have on your art, but having some hands, because if you get told yes too much, you get the prequels. But yeah. <laughs> It is, it, it is a whole bunch of, like, life accidents. Happy life accidents yep. have been happening throughout time. And you know what? You want to know how fantasy, you know, fantasy is the most difficult thing? Even Marvel could never quite get a fantasy setting to stick, given the fact how, like, Thor was supposed to be their fantasy franchise flavor of superhero movie. And then by the third movie, he was, like, the lowest performing space. out of the three, the big three characters. And they just said, fuck it! We're just doing Guardians light space fantasy. Yep. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Fancy is hard to nail for some reason. It's hard. It just is. All right. Um, 
So yeah, all right, indeed. Um, then I, I have a couple other notes um, for uh, Excalibur. So kind of going back to like a little bit of the acting and whatnot. Um, I really actually I really enjoyed that moment, um, Tony, that you brought up uh, when he when Arthur pulled the sword out of the stone and he literally said, "Your sword was stolen, Kay." But here's Excalibur. He didn't say Excalibur. <laughs> I don't think he knew the significance of that sword. Oh, no. He did say Excalibur. Oh. I wrote it down. But he oh, knew Sean. what it he was. Said, he said, here, here's Excalibur. Here's Excalibur. Oh, snap. You know, yeah, he literally did. And I think that was done to be, I think that was just a moment of humor. Um, because that was so goofy. But it also displayed his ridiculous innocence at the moment. But I also like the moment when they're, they're, their dad shows up by the way great guy i love arthur's stepdad he seems mm-hmm. like a really good dude um and but he's like oh my god Kay, did you did you pull the sword from the stone and Kay was yeah. like yes no no <laughs> <laughs> arthur drew it <laughs> and to me that like immediately made me like Kay too because mm-hmm. i'm like oh yeah like he he's human so he's like i was like yeah i wanted to oh no i'm a good guy though I'm like, I'm going to be a good guy. No, Arthur did it. Yeah, for all these years, I always always thought that he just didn't know what he was doing or what the sword was. So I missed it for years. I mean, the whole tournament there Mm -hmm. was set up to to compete to see who got to try to pull the sword from the stone. Yeah. And so, like, for Arthur to somehow not know that. Well, there's no internet. He didn't go to the message boards or nothing. Like, all he knows is he's got oh, to watch the horse. He's got to watch the horse, and he doesn't read the news. Yeah, but you don't think he'd say for a moment, like, but why are we here farther? <laughs> well, you know what's funny about that? And I am almost ashamed to make this parallel, but in The Sword of the Stone, the Disney animated movie, Arthur legitimately did not know what he was pulling from the stone. He had oh. no idea. He didn't know when he when oh. he went to grab that stone for – he went to grab the stone That's for Kay. Fair. He didn't know. And that in that fiction he didn't because like if I remember correctly that stone was just sort of like it was just it there have, like, like nobody t- even it was just as there. at that point everybody thought the Excalibur was just a, a an old okay. wives' tale mm-hmm. right right but yeah exactly in that in that fiction he didn't know it was a, a for, like you were saying a forgotten myth but in this one a town had sprung up cottage industries had sprung up around this sword and an entire tournament was being held. But um, but I can understand like taking his character into consideration why you might think that he wouldn't know mm-hmm. what it was, uh, and he's um, supposed to be a thirteen year old boy in that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the eighties, they did it a lot. Well, I will say that I think they overall did a good mm-hmm. job when it came to like the artificial aging of people because they had to bring them through their entire lives mm-hmm. essentially from boys to men. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so I thought that, like, although it's a little corny when somebody shows up in, like, their 30s, late 20s, whatever, and everybody's calling them boy, um, it makes sense shortly after mm-hmm. when they age up a little bit. Yeah. I always liked uh, his armor and fighting style before he became a knight. I love that opening scene where he starts just wailing on people because uh, it, uh, he's a little more freeform with his swing, sword swing versus – um, the massive difficulty that they had moving it all in that armor. Totally. Yeah, I mean, armor, you have to, you have to know how to use armor um, in order to be able to, to fight with it. Not saying that nobody did, but it's, yeah, absolutely, it's much harder. Um, also, something I was thinking about, like, straight up, what 
I looked this up a bit and didn't find a whole lot. What powers does Excalibur give the person who wields it? Uh, I've I've seen that people uh, I've seen that it's been overblown what it can do, and mm-hmm. the basics I know of is like it's supposed to be able to cut through anything and enhance physical prowess. Neat. And then also like yeah, I've, that's a symbol of like if you, if you see it, you're looking at the king, so you know. That's mm-hmm. that. Yeah, don't don't mess with that guy. That's the king. I also read that it's scabbard gives you invulnerability. Keeps you from bleeding. <laughs> Is yes. that right? So you can get a cut, you just won't bleed um, out? Um. So my buddy in. Max, he, he, he's a massive Arthurian legend guy. And like oh. in high school when we used to talk about nerd shit, I just remember him saying that, yeah, yeah, the scabbard itself keeps you from bleeding. I'm like, that's a weird thing to have. Or care about. Yeah, like <laughs> magical scabbards? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, whatever you guys want to do. I want to. I, I think they would need a scabbard that would prevent them from getting infections. Yeah, that's also. It, it, to me, it's just like. That'd be a good it's one. It's just weird to have a magical scabbard. Like, who, a little bit. who cares about the scabbard? But, oh yeah, whatever. Hmm. Well, <sighs> uh, I also like the quote from Merlin where he says, For it is the doom of men that they forget. Ooh. I, yeah, I recall yeah. that. Good lines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a that was a solid one, and I like I I agree. I'm forgetting stuff all mm-hmm. the time. <laughs> um, and then if I'm just I'm just gonna tear through all these right Please. now, I guess. But uh, during the the wedding scene when Guinevere and Arthur kiss, like the, her eyes are just wide open. <laughs> uh, do <laughs> they do anything with like one of the eyes is on Lancelot? Oh, I'm sure. But right before the wedding, she's thinking about that Lancelot quite a bit. <laughs> Mr. You too, Guinevere. <laughs> like you too. Both of you guys, you didn't need to do that. Guinevere, Arthur's a fantastic man. Uh, please. A kingdom is at stake. Lancelot, that's your best friend's girl. What are you doing, man? Like, the, the, What I always thought was you... funny about all that is that it it's clear as day to everybody in the in their vicinity. I'm talking about everybody. There's <laughs> there's never a situation where you have Lancelot and Guinevere in the same room together, and nobody knows yep. that they're separate from one yeah. another. There's a scene where <laughs> Arthur's like, "Everybody <laughs> believes us, right?" And everybody's like, "What <laughs> 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 sad call." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, those people got problems. But yeah, yeah. they do. They do. Well, that's the thing. This is like I don't know. I guess it's one of the big things about those old myths like this is a lot. It comes down to like we we're talking earlier, like you know, sex and whatnot, mm. and just how like the fault that 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 people people have. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, what we're seeing here is more of a poem than like trying to write things that actually happen. Yep. Yep. Well, that's. I think that's it for my notes. I think those are all my. You also have notes. I think I'm uh, good with all the uh, thoughts I've had. TK Shadowblade, what about you? Um, I think that's really all I have. Again, like I mentioned, it, it, I can appreciate I, I appreciate the the, the cultural significance of it. It's just there was a bit there was a bit more a bit more camp than I was really I was really expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, any other final thoughts, Tony? That should do it. All right, Isaac, final thoughts on Excalibur. 
Well, all right. So while I wouldn't say I enjoyed it as a film, I am appreciative that you, uh, that uh, through circumstances and vagaries of fate of Merlin, um, <laughs> wiring through the dragon's breath, I got to experience it and, uh, further expand my cultural frame of references because cool. you could definitely see the DNA. And I love the vision of imagining a little baby Zack Snyder roided out from coming back <laughs> from the gym with the action figures. He's probably hiding from the cool girlfriend, uh, who he wants to impress <laughs> while he watches Z- uh, Excalibur thinking, I'm going to do this with Batman and Superman. That is my legacy. That yep. is what I will become. I will play with zombies and action figures and super. Superheroes, and I will make my own legend to bring the values of Excalibur to the screen for better and for worse, but always interesting. Cool. And Matt. Uh, yeah, I feel like uh, a lot of my thoughts have already been uh, expounded upon mm-hmm. here. It's it's an interesting, odd movie that I'm glad exists that isn't necessarily for me. Cool. And yeah, for me, uh, absolutely fucking love and adore it. Is part of my atoms and DNA. Uh, is rolled with me throughout time. Like once upon a time, where like you know you had nothing, you always come back to Excalibur and say, "Man, I'll show you some fucked up shit." Like, thank you, man. Let's get let's get wild for a while. And then like yeah, it was really beautiful for me when like. Uh, it's always been through me uh, and in my heart. And then, like, when I sit down to watch Batman v Superman, like, the fanboyism of Zack Snyder going, <laughs> I get to do this for a living, and I want you guys to know Excalibur is awesome. So here it is at the beginning of the movie, and here is an homage to it. And I am so dorky that I'm going to put the final throwdown in it, in my final throwdown. And, uh, yeah, and then, and then like, oh, it was, it was mostly... Um, the visual sheen that I saw, like in um, the Snyder League, the sheen that I saw on that that was straight up from Excalibur was like, all right, I want to close this up by talking about the one thing that like really brought all that art together and, and inspired it. So, yeah. And to this day, um, yeah, the it just keeps getting better with me, like uh, the confusion of being a child, but then like seeing it as an adult and the confusion of being an adult is a lot more clear. <laughs> Um, while watching it, huh. so yeah, interesting. Yeah, that is my final thoughts on Excalibur. Um, TK Shadowblade, where can we find more of you on the internet? Well, you'll find me under um, under under YouTube. I, I upload whenever whenever I get a chance to um, to put some content out for anything fighting game related, um, tech or or gaming news. Cool. That's my my primary location. All right, Lobster Magnet. Isaac, where can you find more of your work on the internet? You can find me on Lobster Magnet, the review channel. I just finished my My Hero Month. Four videos in one month about My Hero Academia. The last video went up yesterday. Go give it a watch. Uh, See the incredible results of my art contest that no one submitted to. So I was the winner (laughs) since I didn't have to pay anyone. uh, Congratulations. I know. It's it's great. It's great. I offered them Red Lobster gift certificates. No one even sent me a shitty uh, little doodle to try and get that Red Lobster gift certificate. So I'm I'm the winner. And I'm a fan of your I'm a fan of your ch- channel, and I'm also a bad person, and I like Red Lobster. So fuck. Yeah, you, you could have had it. You could have had it. You could have had that twenty five dollars, and you up. just drew a, a really terrible My Hero OC lobster character. The, the only uh, time in my life when I could have won an art contest. 
<laughs> I guess everyone was too overconfident and thought that like real <laughs> artists would enter, but they failed to realize I don't have real artists in my fan base. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. Highly recommend. And Matt, where can you find more of your stuff? Uh, you can find me. Yeah, you can find me Instagram, Twitter uh, at Doc Falconer. I really need to tweet at some point anything. Um, and uh, my other podcast the hero project where we create a hero from the ground up we just get a prompt and then we uh, come up with their powers their weaknesses their enemies and their story all in one go and eventually um keith you are going to be on that can't wait can't wait to join you Mm -hmm. all right you can find this podcast and more at popgeeks.com you can find me at keith justice on instagram or at keith hayward on twitter and Keith Justice on Twitch as well. So yeah, keep an eye out for us. Thank you for joining us. I hope you had fun. I hope you liked or enjoyed or had the interesting experience with Excalibur. And we'll catch you next time when we do a review for I'm not sure yet. But yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening. And we're Bye.